Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. We continue our study through the pastoral epistles. Remember, this is senior pastor Paul to junior pastor Timothy. It's very important to remember that this, these letters in the pastoral epistles, very, very important to remember. This is pastor to pastor, pastor to pastor. Now, when we say pastor to pastor, these aren't the run-of-the-mill men. These are the full package, the package deal, vessels of the Most High. Now, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to the prior studies through the pastoral epistles, uh, the introduction, and then 1 Timothy chapter 1, 2, 3, and it, it also purpose in your heart to listen uh, all the way back to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and then get yourself caught up, get yourself current, because you'll understand uh, the risks behind not growing and not maturing in Christ. It's very important, even more so in these last days. Uh, we begin our study here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Remember, this is Senior Pastor Paul to Junior Pastor Timothy. And we see here in verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in, the, in latter times, now it's important to not just note, but to remember and always remember, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord is telling these things distinctly to Paul. In verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says, now to expressly says, how it translates is to speak and lay it out distinctly and very definitively. You see, the full package you know, remember in our introduction, we say package one, package two, package three, package four. And then in our study in First Timothy one, two, three, we start to outline what is entailed in the package deal, the full package, not just a little bit of package one and, you know, not even package two, which is common. You know, which what's common today is no package at all. But when we look and we see the criteria involved on understanding the formula which must be right in the pastor and in the teacher. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is absolutely with Paul, absolutely with Timothy, absolutely with the full package. And we see here, it's the Spirit of the Lord that is laying it out distinctly, laying it out definitively to Paul who's also laying it out to Timothy, who's also laying it out laying it out to us as readers and students and disciples in, in, in discipling and, and understanding what the truth of God's word says. But understand, this is still a one-to-one -one, one letter, one-on-one. -on -one. Senior Pastor Paul to Junior Pastor Timothy, the letter got leaked, and here we are reading the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And that the Spirit of the Lord is laying it out very definitively that in latter times, and the Spirit is telling Paul, who's telling Timothy, about the future. I meant 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. Put yourself in little Timmy's sandals. Put yourself in Timothy's sandals. Little Timmy, when he first you know, uh, uh, started walking with Paul, and then as he grew and matured in the faith, and then all of a sudden, now he's a pastor himself, an overseer himself. And Paul telling him about future events, and yes, kind of sobering, 
But then at the same time, to understand that history of walking with Paul, and not just that, but for you and me today in these last days, that there are last days implications. Today is in play when we look at these passages. Today is absolutely in play. And it's the Spirit of the Lord that's telling Paul, who told Timothy, and the letter got leaked, and we're reading it today. And the Spirit of the Lord is giving distinct and distinct and definitive information, intelligence about the last days. And so what is it that the Spirit of our Lord is saying? Through Vessel Paul, who's not like the average bearer. Now, you might say like, well, why, why, why is this guy going through, I mean, speaking about myself, you know, you might be saying to yourself, why in the world is this guy going through great lengths to just say this, that, you know, the Spirit is speaking to Paul? Because when you remember the backdrop of all the way back to 1 Corinthians, and not just 1 Corinthians, but even in the book of Acts, if you've been walking with us for a while and you reflect back to all those prior studies, you know, there's a lot that's baked into the cake right here. There is so much importance behind the walk with Jesus Christ. I mean, do you remember when we started, if you listen to our Wednesday studies, our Old Testament studies, do you remember when we started the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1? And it was kind of painful to refer to Bible verses as magnet magnet verses and poster verses, you know, verses that people like to, you know, people like to have it on their on their on their refrigerator as magnets. They people like to have like pictures on the wall and posters on the wall that say, you know, uh, 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 you know, I am with you. Be strong and courageous. I will never leave you. And you know, yes, these are beautiful packet. Uh, 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 these are beautiful promises, but there's a lot that's baked into that. There's a lot that's baked into Joshua. There's a lot that's baked into Moses. There's a lot that's baked into Phineas. There's a lot that's baked into the elders of Joshua's day. There's a lot that's baked into Timothy. There's a lot that's baked into Paul. These are people, men, who are not like the average bear. And we say men because, remember, we're in the pastoral epistles. Pastors, elders, overseers, always, always, always male. Now, that's not like an, you know, like a sexist type of thing. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, covers, coverings are always male. Always male. I mean, Jesus Christ as the ultimate covering, male. You see? And so the Spirit of our Lord is laying this out distinctly and very definitively what the last days are going to look like. We've already studied uh, uh, prophetical books, prophetical passages, what the, the, the last days are going to look like. And there's more. That in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. In verse 1 here. Some will depart from the faith. Now, to depart here is to revolt, to draw away, to depart, and to fall away. Now, in all cases, it is a person's choice. In all cases, it is a person's choice. You know, it's very important to reflect back, you know, how 
Paul says, you remember in, in first, uh, first Timothy chapter one, how, you know, the, the, the law is not made for a righteous person, but the law is for, and then Paul starts to explain like indicators of who, what the law, who the law applies to. But then he also indicates there and anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. And today in the churches today, you have people who say once saved, always saved. Oh, once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. But if that were true, if once saved, always saved were true, why would the Holy Spirit of our Lord, who's laying it out distinctly and very definitively, why would he say that in the last days, some will depart from the faith? You see? Because mankind, teachers, men, they say, oh, once saved, always saved, once saved, always saved. But the Spirit, speaking to Paul, says people will depart from the faith and fall away. You see? So what, I mean, if you're listening and you, you, you go to a church or you have a guy who's pastor or you have a female who's your pastor. Now, when you understand formula, you realize, wow, I, a female can't be my pastor. You say, well, wait a second. She's already my pastor and she, you know, I acknowledge her as my pastor. Well, at that point, ball's in your court. You have a choice to make. Are you going to submit to her or are you not? Remember, we yield to the word of God. We yield to the word of God. And the word of God is what outlines how we conduct ourselves. And when the Bible says that coverings are always male, in, in, you know, re- regarding a, 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 a pastor, a, 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 like a, a, a believer and pastor relationship, balls in your court. You might say right here, right now that, yes, my pastor is female. I go to this church and I just so happen to be listening to this guy on on the internet. I just so happen to be listening to this message online. But once you know, balls in your court, you have a choice to make. You have a pastor who's female, balls in your court. You have a pastor who teaches once saved, always saved, balls in your court. Because mankind says, oh, once saved, always saved. The Bible's, the spirit of the Lord expressly says, distinctly says, very definitively says that in the last days, some will depart from the faith. Some will revolt, draw away, depart, and fall away from the faith. Now, if once saved, always saved were true, and you're going to lean on what preacher guy says or preacher gal says, understanding the formula, now that you know, then you're choosing man over the spirit of our Lord. That's what happens. That's what happens if, you know, the preacher guy says something that sounds really flowery and really nice and something that, quote unquote, guarantees salvation. But then you read the Bible and just like we see here in verse one, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now, knowing that departing and falling away and drawing away and revolting away from the faith is absolutely true. 100% biblically true. 
And the Spirit is distinctly and definitively laying this out. Remember, Paul's not like the average bear. Remember in our study in the book of Acts when everybody was saying, apostles and prophets were saying, you know, uh, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. And yet the Spirit was saying, Paul, Paul, go to Jerusalem. Where were the red letters? They were with Paul. He's not like the average bear. And in no way, shape, or form am I suggesting that the Spirit of the Lord was not with the others. But what I am saying is that Paul's a different animal. Where the Spirit might have been saying to the others, hey, this isn't for you. But for Paul, you see, he's the one who's writing this letter. Remember, one-on-one letter. Senior Pastor Paul to Junior Pastor Timothy. The letter got leaked and we're reading it today. You could be, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ. You could be in any church. You could be in any church. You could have female pastors. You could have female elders. You could have any situation in any church. But once you know, once you know, and once you understand formula, and not just formula in pastor, formula in you. And you can be in any church and you read the Bible and you yield to the word of God and you yield to the spirit who helps you understand the word of God. The spirit of the Lord never deviates from the truth of his word. Other spirits absolutely do, but not the Holy Spirit. And so once you do that as a Berean, you study the scriptures, you could be in any church and you start to read and you start to understand formula. And then all of a sudden balls in your court. You start to realize like, oh my goodness, this pastor says that, you know, uh, 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 this pastor is a, a homosexual, an ordained minister. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I can't, I cannot submit myself to him. Oh my, you know, this, this pastor is female. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I cannot submit myself to her. You see, the ball is in your court. You could be in any church. And when you love the Lord and when you fear the Lord and when you study his word and the spirit revealing me, you could be in the Episcopal church and you love the Lord, you fear the Lord. You could be in, in the Lutheran church. You can be in Catholicism. You can be anywhere. You believe Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's Lord. And then all of a sudden you start to read his word and you start to understand in the course of time. And, you know, it could happen very quickly where, you know, you read a verse, you read a passage, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, this guy's crazy. I can't submit myself to him. I can't submit myself to her. And that's what's so beautiful about being a Berean. Remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot of pastors, I'm doing my air quotes, there's a lot of teachers and pastors who's to teach once saved, always saved, but that's not the biblical model. Remember we referred to Luke chapter 8 in verse 13, how Jesus Christ speaks about the short-term believer, people who believe in Jesus Christ, but then in time of temptation, they fall away. So you figure, okay, a person believes in Jesus Christ. If if once saved, always saved was true, then that verse doesn't apply. And if that verse doesn't apply, and I hate to say this, 
then you have to believe man over Jesus. But once the Lord makes himself known through his word, a teacher, a pastor can teach once saved, always saved, all he wants. But then you read the word of God and you're like, wait a second. Luke chapter 8 verse 13 says a person can believe and in time of temptation fall away. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, the preacher guy says once saved, always saved. But the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. How could this be true if once saved, always saved were true? I'll give you the answer. Once saved, always saved is a lie. The biblical model is once saved, stay saved. You see? Ball's in your court. Are you going to believe the preacher guy or are you going to believe Paul? Who's not like the average bear? Are you going to believe the preacher gal or are you going to believe Paul? Ball's in your court. You see? And when I say, are you going to believe Paul? When I, Paul's not like the average bear. He says, it is, you know, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. A lot of times people say, well, you're deifying Paul. No, he, he's a dead guy. He says of himself, he's trash. He says of himself, he's the scum of the earth. He says of himself that it is him that no longer lives, but Christ who lives in him. It's not to deify Paul. It's not to exalt Paul. It's to exalt Christ in Paul. You see? And so we understand in verse 1 that it's the Holy Spirit who is definitively and distinctly saying that in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, which breaks my heart. It begs the question, how does this happen? How in the world does this happen? Well, it is outlined. The Spirit expressly says that this is true, but the Spirit expressly says how it happens. And we see here in verse 1, how does it happen? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Whoa. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This is the very thing that Paul warned about. Remember our study in 1 Corinthians when Paul, or actually 2 Corinthians, when Paul says, I fear for you. He says to the saints in Corinth, I fear for you because you're going to put up with it. The preacher guy is going to come in and they, they, they see a guy as a pastor. They see a guy as pastor, teacher, but what they don't know is that he's a servant of Satan. And he says, I fear for you. Paul, remember he says, you have 10,000 teachers, but one father. He's speaking about himself, spiritual father. You have 10,000 teachers, but one father. Now, put yourself in that situation where, you know, we're saints in Corinth and we'll say 10,001. Think about all the sources of information, all the sources of teaching that are available, 10,001. But of the 10,001, there is only one that is safe. Paul, those in his bubble, Silvanus, Timothy, Titus, Priscilla, Aquila, Lydia, Chloe, 
beautiful men and women where it is safe in this holy bubble. Now, when we bring up women, that's in a deacon role. That's kind of like where where, where a female, I hate to say it like this, but I don't have any other way, uh, other way to say it, but it's kind of where a female maxes out as deacon. I hate to say it. You know, if you're female, I love you. Listen to our prior studies, uh, 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 First Timothy chapter 2. Uh, you know, we just had a study in Joshua about the sin of Achan. And, you know, I am very, very fond of women, you know, sisters in Christ. Very, very, you know, the highest concentration of warriors in these last days I find in females. I have the utmost respect for godly women. But in terms of ministry, it's kind of like where you max out is at the deacon level. Remember the exhortation we had not too long ago in our study in the pastoral epistles about raising children? You have the, you know, you have the standing game, but then you revert to the ground game and it's raising the next generation, raising the next Timothy, raising the next Titus, raising the next Joshua, raising the next Moses. You see, so if you're, you know, a female, my sister, beautiful, beautiful sister in Christ, when I say like you, you max out at the deacon level, I don't say that to be like, oh, look, I'm, you know, oh, I'm going to put you in your place, women. I, I don't want to come off that way. I know it sounds that way. But I don't want to come off that way. I wish, I wish, I wish I could gather all the females of the faith and just pour into you and exhort you and teach you. I wish. And, you know, I get it. I understand it. You know, a, a lot of women, are, they look at the landscape and they just see like, man, men are stupid. Men are crazy. Men are you have a male pastor that, you know, the, the Bible says that to submit to the pastor, a uh, female understands the formula. It's like, I can't submit to this guy. I'm on board. If you're female, I'm on board. 100%. I'm on board. Just like we see in Chloe, look at the megachurch and the, the megachurches in Corinth. Think about all the pastors. You know, Paul says you have 10,000 teachers. Just think of all the, 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 the churches on, on corners, street corners. The plethora of elders, the plethora of pastors. And Chloe, understanding formula, she says, I can't submit to that guy. That's not, that's, you know, if, if people want to submit themselves to this guy, that's nice for them, but I'm not going to submit myself to this freak show. There's this pastor over here on the other street corner. These, these people want to submit themselves to him. These people want to submit themselves to whoever. That's nice. I'm not going to submit myself to those freak shows. You see, and so she has her home fellowship, teacher of women. Because remember, a woman cannot have teach or have authority over men. What happens when all the men are stupid? You see, to my beautiful sisters in Christ, we have to be wise. Be wise. Just like we studied last week, I, I, I know of females, I know of women who could straight up mop the floor with pastors, male pastors. I know females who could mop the floor with these guys. So-called titans of the faith. I'm doing my air quotes, so-called titans of the faith. America's pastor, America's pastor. And I know females that can mop the floor with them, but they don't. Why? Because they're in submission to Jesus Christ. Humility. Just like Chloe. You see? And so, 
Paul says, you know, just like he says to the saints in Corinth, I fear for you. I'm afraid for you, Corinthian saints, because the preacher guy is going to come in. What the saints in Corinth don't know is that they're servants of Satan. They present themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they serve their father, the devil. They serve their father, Beelzebub, Satan, Lucifer, who was a murderer from the beginning. And they serve him and they come into the church. They, they are outside and they come inside the church. And what do they come in with? They come in with another gospel, another spirit, and another Jesus. And Paul says he explains his phobia to the Corinthian saints. And he says, you guys, you guys might put up with it. See, this is the very thing that we see in verse 1 here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. That some will depart from the faith. But how does this happen? Because people will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what is written here in verse 1. That's how it happens. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You know, there's... No testing of the spirits to see whether it's of God or not. What the Bible says to do, people aren't doing it. Remember the Miletus meeting when Paul is speaking to the uh, the elders of Ephesus, the overseers of Ephesus, the men of Ephesus. Oh, they're they're men, you know. They got their their teachers, their elders, their pastors. They're the overseers, and you know, you know, ladies, step aside because we're the men. We're the men. We're the men. And what does Paul say to them? He says. After my departure, the wolves are going to come in. Even from among you, even some of you are going to become wolves. Listen to our study through Acts, chapter, uh, Acts 20. You'll understand more. It's, it's written in Acts 20. And Paul says, after my departure, the wolves will come in. Even from a, uh, among you, men. Even from among you, elders. Even from among you, overseers. Some of you guys are going to become wolves. That's how this happens. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now you understand deeper why Paul had his phobia and he explained his phobia. When he says to the Corinthian saints, I fear for you. Remember, he says that to the remnant. That's that's 2 Corinthians. He says it to the remnant. The leaven is gone. The leaven has already been taken care of. It's said to the remnant. That the preacher guy is going to come in with another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. A gospel that is not of the Lord. A spirit that is not of the Lord. A Jesus that is not the biblical Jesus. Men who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. You see? And what we see here in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, remember... Of these, remember, he's giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, of these spirits and demonic beings and entities, in the Greek, it translates as, you know, the, the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, translates as deceiving, demonic beings and entities that are deceiving, seducing, misleading, imposters, and of these, very, very demonic Very, very satanic. And these are the source of doctrine. You see? 
And when these become the source of doctrine, that's how believers, saints, depart from the faith. That's how believers revolt, draw away, depart, and fall away from the faith. Apostasia. That's what happens. And not just that, Christians, saints, believers in Jesus, they give heed to them. Which in the Greek, giving heed is a process. It's to regard. It's to pay attention. It's to apply oneself. It is to adhere. That's a process. To regard, to pay attention, to apply oneself, to adhere. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I'll give you an example. You and me. Say you and me. We're looking for a church. Just you and me. I know, listeners, you have friends, you have family, you have aunts, you have grandmas, you have moms, you have dads, you have spouses, you have kids, you have parents, you have everything under the sun. But I'm going to boil this down. You and me. You and me. We're in the market for a church. Where do we go? Where do we go? We need to be fed. We need to be fed. We love the Lord. We fear the Lord. Where do we go? We need to be fed. And there's churches on every street corner. So we start big. We go to the big church. And we understand the formula. Understanding the formula will help you. You know, you hear us say that, you know, these are pastoral epistles, one-on-one, senior pastor Paul to junior pastor Timothy, senior pastor Paul to junior pastor Titus. Now, when you understand formula, we say that, you know, the letter got leaked. Now, it got leaked because the Lord leaked it. You see, the Lord wants us to understand this. The Lord wants us to know this so that we know when we sit in the pews, who do we submit ourselves to? Remember, you and me in the example. I don't care about anybody else, just you and me. We're sitting in the pews. And these letters got leaked by the Lord. Because he wants us to know the formula. Very holy criteria. Not to submit to no package. We need package one, package two, package three, package four. We want the full package. And that's what we're looking for, the full package. We go to the big church in town. And they are in submission to uh, uh, Redding, California. Good old Redding, California. And after service, they say, oh, we want to go grave soaking. We're going to go to the cemetery and go lay in the graves. That's the big church. Supposedly, they got good music there. People love it. And all these men, women, men's group, women's groups, youth groups, they're all in submission to the pastor and the pastor who wants to take everybody grave soaking. You and me, we're like, no, no, we want full package. We don't want this freak show. Grave soaking, an abomination before the Lord. You see, we're not weak. To love and fear the Lord, we cannot submit ourselves to this freak show. We cannot. Because all the people submitting themselves to the freak show pastor, and the pastor wants to take them grave soaking. Oh, but he's such a nice guy. He's such a great expositor. Look, they have nice music. That's nice. What's the formula? 
the holy formula. Because if there is no holy formula, in submission to the freak show, all of a sudden, God's people are performing an abomination by going grave soaking, necromancy, something the Lord hates, something that's an abomination before him. You see? And remember, if there's anything contrary to sound doctrine, which doctrine says, don't do that. Sound doctrine says, don't you dare do that. Crazy doctrine, doctrines of demons says, oh yeah, go ahead and go grave soaking. You see, the doctrine of demons says, oh yeah, that's fine. The doctrine of demons says, go ahead, go grave soaking. The doctrine of demons says that God is done with Israel. The doctrine of demons says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. But sound doctrine says, don't you dare do that. And don't forget 1 Timothy chapter 1, that where there is no sound doctrine, that's what the law is for. And remember, to be in the law, to abide in the law, is to be outside of Jesus Christ. Listen to our study through Galatians, you'll understand more. But to abide in the law is to be outside of Christ. It's a big deal. So you and me in this example... We're looking for a church. We go to the big church. Everybody's submitting themselves to the freak show. That's nice. We're not going to. And it breaks our heart. And everybody says, oh, look, you're not on board. You're so mean. Look, church is a social club and we love you. And look, we're going to have nice potato salad and we're going to perform necromancy. Oh, we're going to have nice, you know, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. We're going to have nice cookout and all these things. And oh, you're going to feel good. Look, there's all these kids. You know, you can play there. There's these groups. You know, you can do this. You can do, oh, look, it's so fun. And oh, look, she's so nice and he's so nice. And there's, a... but it's a social club. Why? Because in submission to the freak show, people are going grave soaking. You see? It's doctrines of demons. Demons. They serve their father, the devil. Lucifer. You see? They serve him. It's the Lord who leaked these pastoral epistles so that you and me, we can know who to submit ourselves to. I look at you and I'm like, well, you know, what do you think? And you say, I'm not going to submit to this freak show. And you say, what do you think? And I say, I'm not going to submit to this freak show. Let's get out of here. You see? And then we go to the next fellowship. And everybody's like, oh, we're, we follow the Bible hardcore. We, we're so, we're, we're so adamant about sound doctrine and we're kind of happy about it. We're like, okay, finally sound doctrine. All of a sudden the pastor walks out and he says, everybody, oh, let's open up the, your study Bible written by the MacArthur guy. Hey, everybody open up your study Bible. Look, we're, we follow sound doctrine. We're so awesome. And oh yeah, America's pastor, all these things. And oh yes. And then they start teaching once saved, always saved. They start teaching, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Now, if you're listening and you're wondering, listen to our study. It's called Do Not Take the Mark of the Beast. And you're, you'll hear a reformed pastor say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And you dare everybody's saying, oh look, sound doctrine, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. That ain't sound. Because you and me, were Bereans. And everybody says, oh yeah, we're sound doctrine. Look, we're reformed in this and we follow this and that and all these reformed doctrines. It's like, okay, cool. 
Look, we're hardcore. We love the Lord. But then you and me, we're Bereans. It's like, no, that doesn't align with Scripture. We cannot take the mark of the beast. Calvinism is crazy. Calvinism is stupid. God predestines people to heaven. God predestines people to hell. It is unbiblical. Now, if you're Calvinist, if you're Reformed, listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll understand more. Also, listen to the study, the study, do not take the mark of the beast. You'll hear the Reformed guys say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. Alive from the pit of hell, he serves his father, Satan. How do these things enter the church? The Spirit of our Lord lays it out distinctly and very definitively. The Spirit lays it out. He says that this happens through deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And in giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, people will depart from the faith. You see? I mean, we're just in verse 1 and it's laid out. Now, remember, heeding is a process, which is to regard, to pay attention, to apply oneself, and to adhere. Now, that's the formula that, you know, to give heed. So you and me, in the example, we're in the first church, which is, you know, the, 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 uh, 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 the grave soaker church. We're in the pews for, say, 10 minutes, and we're listening to the sermon for 10 minutes. And we're doing the process of, you know, to give heed, which is to regard, to pay attention, to apply oneself, to adhere. So that process, which you and me are doing, we understand the formula. We're Bereans. We're not baby believers. And so we regard what is being said. We regard what is being said. But do we pay attention to what is being said? You see, you could be in any church, any church, and you regard what is being said. The pastor says, oh yeah, the Bible says this and that, and the Bible teaches, let's go grave soaking. The Bible says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. The Bible says, you know, uh, uh, God is done with Israel. And we regard what is being said. But as Bereans, instantly we know that's crazy. That is false doctrine. You can listen to anybody. The preacher guy says, oh, God wants you to be a millionaire. Look, if you tithe, if you sow these seeds, put $100 in the, in the offering box, put $100 here, and the Lord will, you know, he will blow up your bank account. You'll get, you know, $10,000, and then people give $100. Like, that's nowhere in the Bible. We, can re we regard what anybody says, but the question is, do we pay attention or do we jump ship? The problem is, people, saints, Christians... They pay attention. And remember, to give heed is a four-step process. It's to regard, which you see Christians aren't doing that. To pay attention, which you see Christians aren't doing that. But then it gets even worse. Now they apply themselves. The preacher, oh, 
Look, he's got a, a doctorate in theology. Oh, look, he went to seminary. Look, he's got a TV program. Look, he's got a radio program. Surely the Lord is with them. And what they do is they apply themselves to him. And then it gets even deeper. It gets even worse. The hold gets even stronger. Now they adhere to the guy. You see? They adhere themselves. Remember Paul when he was explaining his phobia to the Corinthian saints, the remnant of Corinth. And he says, I'm afraid for you guys. I fear for you guys because unbeknownst to the saints, it's the servants of Satan. They present themselves as ministers of righteousness. And they come with another Jesus, a Jesus that is not of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible says, don't you dare take the mark of the beast. The Jesus of the Bible says, don't you dare go grave soaking. The Jesus of the Bible says, no way, I'm not done with Israel. But another Jesus does. A different Jesus does. And so now that the freak shows have entered the church and are in the church as pastors, as teachers, as overseers. Look at what Satan, I mean, look at countries when they get overtaken and they're ruled by vassals. I mean, in the Old Testament, we have vassal states. You see pictures of vassal states, you know, uh, kings, leader, people in leadership positions, but they're really serving the king of another another land, another kingdom. They're, they're, they're vassals. I mean, I teach from America. And, you know, some could make the argument that, you know, that vassal states are close to home. Not to get political or anything. But that same model happens in the church too. Vassal pastors. Vassals of Satan. Vassal overseers. Vassals of the devil. You see? That's what happens when a Christian gives heed without being a Berean. Now, giving heed is also beautiful. Giving heed is, is a process. It can be beautiful. It can be very ugly. Remember, it's to regard, to pay attention, to apply oneself, and to adhere. And when that is beautiful, very beautiful, it's only when the formula is right in the source. Always, always, always according to scripture. And that's when heeding is beautiful. And it's the Lord who leaked these pastoral epistles so that you and me, we can know. Wow, this, okay, like a little check mark, okay? We, 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 we go to the small church in town. We've tried all these churches. Remember in the example, you and me, we're looking for a church. We go to the big church. We go to the middle church. We go to the small church. Now we go to the ultra small church. Now we go to the super, super duper small church. We go to the ultra tiny church. And we sit there. It's tiny. You know, where before people were like, hi, how you doing? 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 You know, pamphlet here, pamphlet here, pamphlet here. And we're just like inundated with all this like, whoa. But you and me, now that we've tried out all these churches, we've tried out of 10,000 churches, we've tried out 9,994. So finally we're at the ultra, ultra, ultra tiny church. 
We're not in, we're not inundated because there's nobody to inundate. Then we have our little, we're Bereans. We have our little checklist. Okay, he's a guy, you know, not female. He's a guy, little check mark. You see? He starts to teach. And what is being said aligns perfectly with the Word of God. Old Testament, New Testament. Everything aligns perfectly. You see? We get to know Him. We we see, we understand formula because remember the Lord leaked these pastoral epistles. So we know what the formula looks like. We analyze. It's like, okay, you know, this guy is... You know, is he the full package? You know, it's, it's the first day there. You know, is is, the, is is he part of the package or does he have no package? It's kind of early to know that as far as doctrine goes, you know, that's on point because, you know, we, we listen to the first message. And then a week passes, two weeks pass, three weeks pass. And then we know, okay, this guy's package one. More time pass. Okay, this guy's package two. More time for us to make these discern, discernments. We analyze, okay, he's package three. More time... Oh my goodness, this guy is package four. This guy is the full package. Now, once that is identified, you and me, now we know it is safe to submit ourselves to him. You see? It's the Lord that leaked these letters. He wants us to know the formula. You see? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, let's get ahead of ourselves because in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, remember, senior pastor Paul to junior pastor Timothy, Paul says to him that when the formula is right, he says in verse 16, you will save yourself and those who hear you. You will save yourself and those who hear you. That only happens when the formula is right. You see, for Timothy to say, follow me as I follow Christ. For Paul to say, follow me as I follow Christ. For James, for John, for Peter, for Luke, for Matthew to say, follow me as I follow Christ. For the, when the, when it's the full package, it's safe. You see, it's safe. Timothy says, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, Timothy. We know you've been in this unique bubble, this very special bubble. And not just that, but, you know, we look at the fruit. We look at the formula. We analyze the formula. Okay, now it is safe. I choose to submit myself to you, Pastor Timothy. I look at you, remember the example, I look at you and you, you look at me and you're like, kind of like, okay, well, you're okay, so he's going to submit. You know what? I submit myself too. Formula is right. You see? And it's safe. In verse 16, Paul says, listen, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Remember Paul's fear. Paul's phobia that he explained to the saints in Corinth that I fear for you because these preacher guys are going to come in. Now, when we say preacher guys, these are guys that they play the part. 
They look like pastors. They talk like pastors. They got the pastor parking spot. They got the they got the garb. They got the name tag. It's a pastor. This they seat they sit in their special seats, and it's like wow, this guy's pastor. He stands at the pulpit, but the Bible doesn't care about name tags. The Bible doesn't care about parking spots. The Bible doesn't care about all those things of the flesh. What the Bible cares about is sound doctrine, and it's the Lord who gives us the formula. You see, and when Paul explained his fear to the Corinthian saints that, you know, the the preacher guy is going to come in who's presenting another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit, who's a servant of Satan, and you guys are going to put up with it. In the case of Corinth, look what happened in less than five years. In the case of Corinth. Look what happened in Galatia in less than five years. You see? Under the leadership of the defunct in whom the formula was way wrong. Five years. I mean, you could arguably say three years, but I'm being generous. Five years. Look at what happened in just five short years. Remember in the Galatian, in, in, for the Galatian saints, Paul says, I fear, like, he says, I, it, to the Corinthian saints, I fear for you because you're going to put up with it. But to the Galatian saints, he says, I fear for you lest I have labored for you in vain. He says, you're estranged from Christ. In just five short years. Now today, we're 2,000 years later, give or take a couple years. We're two, that was five years deep. I meant three years, six years deep. When you look at Corinthians and Galatians, we're less than five years deep. 2,000 years, give or take a couple years, 2,000 years? When in just five short years for Paul to say, I fear for you lest I have labored for you in vain, you are estranged from Christ? To Christians. Think about 2,000 years later. You see? And yet people say, oh, you're so mean, you're so mean. Listen, the church today, not five short years later, 2,000 years later, give or take a couple years, the church today is way off course. Way off course. The more wayward a church is, the more abrasive truth will be. I'll say it again. The more wayward a church is, the more abrasive truth will be. We'll boil it down further. The more wayward a person is, the more abrasive truth will be. Sometimes people, oh, you're so mean, you're so mean, you're so mean. I like the grave soaker. It's like, okay, like, you know, oh, you're so mean, you're so mean, you're so mean. Okay, why do you say I mean? Because the grave soaker says this and the mark of the beast guy says this. Okay, but look, that's straight up hell. We're talking lake of fire. You know, in submission to them, hello, lake of fire. You see? The more wayward a church is, the more wayward a person is, the more abrasive truth is. 
But remember, the church today, not just five years, we're talking 2,000 years, give or take a couple years, we're way off course. Way, way, way off course. Remember in Revelation 2 and 3, how the Lord, seven churches, seven churches, and of two, Smyrna and Philadelphia, he says, don't repent. Well, I mean, he doesn't say don't repent. He, he, he doesn't say, he doesn't indicate a need to repent. Why? Because they're on point. But for five churches, he does say repent. To churches. People who believe in Jesus Christ. In the case of Laodicea, they believe in Jesus Christ, but you know what? He was on the outside. He wasn't inside the church. He was outside the church. The church is in trouble. You see? Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. Why am I mean? Well, you like you, you say these things against the grave soaker. You say these things against the mark of the beast guy. Follow the path. You follow that path, and that's straight up lake of fire. And I'm the mean guy. You see? It's the Spirit of the Lord who expressly says, who lays it out distinctly and very definitively, that in the latter times, in verse 1, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Straight up demons. I mean, when we speak about intimacy with the Lord, it's very beautiful. But where you see false doctrine, any doctrine that is not sound, yes, it's subject to the law and to abide in the law is to be outside of Christ. But these propagators, the pastors, the teachers, the elders, the overseers, for these propagators of false doctrine... People who say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be safe. People who say, God is done with Israel. People who say, let's go grave soaking. Major, major ministries. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. It gets worse. And the formula is wrong. Who in the world do they have intimacy with? Because the real Jesus, his doctrine is I don't even want to say his doctrine is sound. The real Jesus, he is doctrine. That's the real deal. The real Jesus whose word is above his name. But the other spirits, the other gospels, the other Christs, it's from Satan. It's from Lucifer. It's doctrines of demons. These propagators, these teachers, these pastors, who in the world do they have intimacy with? You see? Who do they have intimacy with? For them to teach such things. Oh, everybody, let's go grave soaking. Who in the world does he have intimacy with? I'll give you the answer. Not Jesus. Not the biblical Jesus whose word is above his name. They can say it to their blue in the face that they have intimacy with Jesus. But they kind of condemn themselves because when you're a Berean, you know that's another Jesus. You can say you have you know, intimacy with Jesus. But the Jesus of the Bible, 
We'll never say, let's go grave soaking. We'll never say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll, you'll still be safe. We'll never teach replacement theology. The biblical Jesus won't, but the fake ones will. Who do these men have intimacy with? What spirit do they have intimacy with? Not the biblical Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. Another spirit, absolutely, lowercase s, but not the Holy Spirit. Now you see when Paul was speaking at the Miletus meeting to the elders of Ephesus, the men, the overseers, and he says, I know that after my departure, wolves will come in. And even from among yourselves, you will become wolves. That's what Paul said. They're overseers, you know, you know, popping their collar. Oh, look, I'm an overseer. I'm an overseer. No. It's not a prideful position. It's not to be, oh, look, I'm so awesome. I'm a pastor. Oh, look, so I'm so awesome. I'm an elder. No. It is with the utmost humility. Protecting the sheep. Feeding the sheep. In the case of Paul, he says, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when I leave, the wolves will enter. It's not Paul saying, oh, look, I'm so awesome. I'm so hardcore. Look, pop his collar and say, oh, look, I'm an overseer. and Look, I'm so cool. No. But in Paul, the formula is right in the utmost of humility. The wolf comes, the wolf dies with Paul. Paul leaves. Who is there to kill the wolves? And when I say kill the wolves, I speak, you know, metaphysically, spiritually. I don't speak, you know, like literally and carnally, like, you know, you have a false teacher over here. Okay, let's kill him. No, the Lord will do that. Outside of repentance, the Lord will take care of. The Lord does clean work, cleaner than the mafia. Vengeance is his. But where are the wolf killers of today? Metaphysically speaking. You have 10,000 teachers, but one father, just like with Paul. Or what Paul says, you know, 10,000 teachers, but one father. See, submission to Paul is safe. Submission to Timothy is safe. Submission to Dr. Luke, safe. Barnabas, safe. Hymenaeus, not safe. Don't do it. That's how departure from the faith happens. That's how falling away from the faith happens. It's giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's how it happens. It breaks my heart. It kills me. I don't like it. But it's also the nature of warfare. It's like warfare. You know, I don't like warfare. I don't like, you know, people dying in combat. You know, I don't like it. But it is a reality. And if you're going to be on the battlefield, you need to be equipped. You need to be trained. You need to know how to conduct yourself on the battlefield. To fight, to engage. How much more in the realm of the spirit? How much deeper according to faith? 
how much more to glorify, praise, and honor our Father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. You see? Because you have saints today who are not Bereans. You have believers today who are not equipped. And being not equipped and not being a Berean, look at the threat. The threat is there. The preacher guys come out. The preacher guys teach. The preacher ladies come out. The preacher ladies teach. And people submit themselves without understanding the formula, the holy formula. They don't even have a package. Very few have package one. Very, very few have package one. Far fewer have package two. Most have no package. The vast majority, no package. Very few are package one. Ultra, ultra few is package two. But I'm not even talking about those guys. I'm talking about men. Men who are the full package. Package one, two, three, four. I'm talking about the full package. Where are the men? You see? It's a big deal. We're talking heaven, hell. We're talking paradise, lake of fire. Balls in your court. So, so far we know about this threat. Christians giving heed to the demonic. It's how believers depart from a faith. But there's a more finite level. There's a more finite level in understanding how does this happen. Now we see here in verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Pause here for a moment. I mean, don't hit pause, but I mean, let's just, let's just camp out here for a moment. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Hypocrisis. Hypocrisis is in the Greek. Hypocrisis, which is acting, acting. When the source of doctrine is acting. Remember, in verse 1, we have doctrines of demons. So if the source of doctrine is from demons and a person has a pastor, so-called pastor, I'm doing my air quotes, a teacher, an elder, has intimacy with demons and then walks out on the to the pulpit and starts to teach. Now, listening to that source, it's from demons. The, the ultimate source is the demonic, but the source that you hear is from the man, or you know, from the woman. Remember, this, these are these are sources where the formula is wrong, and these are sources. The spiritual is demonic. The carnal, the source is the guy or the gal. And when the source of this doctrine 
is acting. And that's all they are. Actors. I mean, speaking of hypocrisy. They speak lies. Now. That has very deep implications. Because. You could be sitting in the pews and you hear the preacher guy they're reading the bible they read a verse and then they teach on the verse they read a passage they teach on the passage and it, people are just like wow this is so awesome oh he's such a great expositor of the bible oh look i like his smile oh look he's so friendly But what you don't know is that he beats on his wife. What you don't know is that he goes to the strip clubs. What you don't know is that he goes to the casino. What you don't know is that he snorts his lines. What you don't know is that he does his pornography. What you don't know is that he beats his kids. What you don't know is that he does his yoga. That's what you don't know. And if you did know, then you know that he's living in hypocrisy. And in living in hypocrisy, He's speaking lies. Just like it says here in verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. You see? I mean, for example, you take two men. Two men who say almost the same exact thing from the pulpit. Two men who say almost the exact same thing in the pulpit. In one, the formula is full package. In the other... The guy beats on his wife, cheats on his wife, sex, drugs, rock and roll, beats on his kids, all kinds of different things. Does the yoga, does the strippers, does the Buddha, does all these things. And two men at the pulpit, they say the exact same thing. Church number one, church number two. It said the exact same thing. But remember. Remember. New wine, new wine from the heavenlies. New wine only comes from new wineskin. Two men say exactly the same thing. Two churches, two men say exactly the same thing. You say, well, it doesn't matter where you go because the exact same thing is said. Remember, God is no respecter of persons. God knows the formula. He created the formula. He knows the formula. 
two men say exactly the same thing. Carnally speaking, you say, okay, it's safe to go. We can go to either one. Remember, you and me, we're looking for a church. Carnally speaking, we can go to either one because the exact same thing is said. But spiritually speaking, remember, verse 1, the Spirit expressly says, he lays it out distinctly and very definitively that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy. One guy, the formula is right. The other guy, he's got his little secret lifestyle. His wife is in submission to him. And he says, hey, wife, don't you dare tell anybody or else I'm going to beat you. Hey, kids, don't you dare tell anybody or else I'm going to beat you. You have to submit. The Bible says you got to submit to me. The Bible says, wife, you got to submit to me. The Bible says, kids, you got to submit to me. And so the kids, because they don't have an understanding, they say, well, the Bible does say I got to submit to him. So you know what? I'm going to live this secret life. I'm going to support this hypocrisy. I'm going to support the hypocrite. And I'm going to be in submission to my dad because, you know, I can't because the Bible says to be submit to my dad. And then all of a sudden you have confused kids. And then the kids grow up and they become clinically depressed. Then they get into, you know, they become bipolar. All of a sudden, you know, multiple personalities. Now they're straight up schizos and like straight up crazy. Good job, dad. Hello, Millstone. You say, well, you're going too far with this. Am I really? I mean, if that's the, if that's the chosen path that a person is on, I mean, if Christians submit themselves to the defunct and you're on that path in submitting to the defunct, don't just look at the path where you're standing. Look at the path where it leads to. No, you're going too far. You're going too... How? How could it be that I'm going too far when that's where the path leads? You just don't see where it leads. You see? And people say, oh, you're too mean. You're too hardcore. Listen. There is a narrow way that leads to paradise. Because wide is the way that leads to hell. But narrow is the way that leads to paradise. Oh, but guy number one and pastor number one and pastor number two, they said the exact same thing. That's nice. We're not, you know, we're looking at the source. We're looking at formula. This guy beats on his wife, cheats on his wife, beats on his kids. There's all these things. Formula's wrong. New wine. Only comes from new wineskin. You see? And if guy number one is not even new wineskin, don't expect new wine. You see? The Lord knows. And when we say new wine, That comes from new wineskin. It's for the love feast. It's for the saints' love feast. Remember the wedding in Cana? New wine. New wine. We make these distinctions. 
where you see hypocrisy in the pulpit, understand who's speaking. The liar. A guy can say whatever he wants. You could look carnally and see, oh, the formula's right. He's a guy. Oh, the formula is right. He's got a doctor in, in, in theology. Oh, the formula is right. Look, he's got his seminary. He went to seminary. Look, the formula is right. He's, he's wearing the garb. Oh, look, the formula is right. He has the pastor name tag. Oh, look, the formula is right. He's got the pastor parking spot. But that's carnal. Through carnal observation. When you observe spiritually according to the spirit of the Lord... Where you see the hypocrite, know and understand who is speaking. The liar, you see? And from the liar comes doctrine of demons. You say, well, you're going too far with this. He's a really nice guy. So what if he wants to take us grave soaking? Listen, balls in your court. Balls in your court. I can't force anybody to do anything. Nobody can force anybody to do anything. People choose for themselves. You see? You want to submit to the freak show? Listen. It's, nobody can control anybody. You want to submit yourself to the freak show? Listen, balls in your court. You want to submit yourself to the full package? Even still, balls in your court. But know where the path leads. Oh, I'm going to submit myself to the freak show. Look, the Bible says submit to those in authority. Look, the Bible says I got to submit to my pastor. The, the pastor says take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Okay, pastor. I can Look, pastor, I got this nice, beautiful mark. I took this mark. Government mandated injection, which is growing more common these days. Government mandated injections. Oh, look, the, the pastor says I can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Well, you chose that path long ago. Hello, lake of fire. You see? I mean, today, in hearing these things, today you might think, wow, this guy's so mean, he's so mean, he's so mean. But where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, it won't be mean. You see, there is a path that leads to hell and there is a path that leads to paradise. The Lord is the one who told us. He gives us the blueprints from his word. Why? Because he loves you. He's the one who leaked these letters to pastors. I mean, you know, Pastor Paul to Pastor Timothy. Very private letter, one-on-one -on -one letter, Paul to Timothy, and the Lord is the one who leaked it. Because he wants you to know what the formula is so that you can know who to submit to.
the one who watches out for your soul. Where you see the hypocrite at the pulpit. I don't care what they say. Oh, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. The Bible says this. And you could follow along in your Bible as a Berean and be like, you know what? The Bible does say this. The Bible does say that. But then you look at the formula inside the guy and you see, wow, he beats on his wife. Wow, he cheats on his wife. Wow, he beats up his kids. Wow, he goes, he goes, he does his crack. He does his alcohol. He does his all kinds of different dirty things. Wrong formula. That's not the package. I'm talking about full package. Speaking lies and hypocrisy in verse 2. Having their own conscience, which is the inner man. Now, conscience here, inner man, it's also inner woman. You know, like, you know, if you're male, female, the inner, the, the, the soul, your inner being. But we're looking at overseers, which is why I emphasize inner man. We're looking at overseers. Overseers, male. Elders, pastors, male. Now, where you see the hypocrite, you also see the liar. Where you see the liar, you know who they have intimacy with, which is the demonic, which Satan, Lucifer. That's their in, that's their source of intimacy, not the Lord. They might say, I have intimacy with Jesus. They might say, they can say it to their blue in the face. Oh, I have intimacy with Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I have intimacy with Jesus. But the real Jesus, whose word is above his name, he's the one who sets the rules. And if there's no alignment with the biblical Jesus and somebody says, oh, look, I have intimacy with Jesus, you know that's another Jesus. And if it's another Jesus, you know the source. Satan, Lucifer. You see? Doctrines of demons. Demonic beings and entities. And what do they do? They deceive, they seduce, they mislead their imposters. And that's their source. These preacher guys. Remember, Paul says, I'm afraid for you guys because these guys are going to come into the church. And instead of kicking them out, you're going to put up with it. I mean, in the in the case of Corinth, Paul says, you guys are going to put up with the preacher guys. In the case of Galatia, they put up with the preacher guys. Who were nice little smiles on their face. Leading them to the law. And in abiding in the law, a person exits Christ. You see? Remember Paul? He says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. Listen, this is what the word of God says. I'm just the messenger. And of these very, very dangerous people. Satanic, evil, demonic, influenced by Satan, serving Satan, having their own conscience seared in verse 2 with a hot iron, which translates in the Greek as rendered unsensitive. Rendered unsensitive. Now, if that's the condition of his own conscience, being unsensitive, not insensitive, unsensitive. If that's the condition of his own conscience, how do you expect him to have intimacy with the Lord? If that's the condition of his own conscience. That's what hypocrisy does. You see? 
The pastor says, hey, everybody, you live like this, you live like this, you live like this, you live like this. And behind closed doors, he's a heathen. Behind closed doors, he beats on his wife, beats on his kids. Does his pornography, does his sex, does his crack, does his drugs, does his alcohol. Oh, but he's such a great Bible teacher. Oh, look, he's got a nice smile. And oh, look, he's so friendly. Oh, surely the Lord is with him. But when you understand the formula according to the truth of God's holy word and the word became flesh, you understand, no, that guy's a freak show. That guy is serving his father, absolutely, but not a uppercase F, the lowercase F. He's serving his father, the devil. You see? The preacher guys. Look what we see here. Forbidding to marry in verse 3. Forbidding to marry. Now, Paul makes rec- recommendation not to marry, but it's not a mandate. You see, Catholics, they make a mandate. But you just look at the result. And according to according to Catholic doctrine, the priests, they don't get married. So what do they do? They look for their little carnal loopholes, okay? You know, I can't do sex with the woman because I can't get married, so I'm going to do sex with the little boys. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. Look at the history of the Catholic Church and pedophilia. Look at how the Catholic Church hides them, where the police are looking out for a. They're, the, Catholic, the police are looking for a priest. The, the police, they're, they're searching for. They got the APB out on the priest. And what does the Catholic Church do? They hide them. They send them, you know, like, okay, you're, you're, you're a priest in you know, Columbus, Ohio. And so they're looking for you. They're going to arrest you. So we're going to send you on a special mission to uh, uh, Senegal. We're going to you, send you on a special mission to Spain. And they're protecting. Now, I say Catholic Church, but understand, Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. If you're Catholic, I love you, but repent and come to Jesus Christ. You say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, when you understand the formula, you know what is done in Catholic doctrine, what is taught in, in Catholic Church, it is unbiblical. It is not biblical Christianity. You could be anywhere. You can be in Catholic Church. The priest starts teaching. It's like, wait, that's not in the Bible. Church is done. You go home. You read the Bible. All of a sudden, you realize, wait a second. Everything I do in accordance with Catholicism doesn't align with what I read in the Bible. You see? Now, at that point, ball's in your court. And I say this to you as a former Catholic. The Lord rescued me from Catholicism. It is unbiblical. I love you. If you're Catholic, I love you. But you need to leave. Ball's in your court. I mean, I say you need to leave, but ball's in your court. I mean, if you ask me what do I need to do, I say leave. Jump ship. It's not safe. The priest, if you submit yourself to the priest, if you submit yourself to the Pope, hello like a fire. It's not good. It is unbiblical. Look at these mandates we see in verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You see, 
Now it gets even like more hardcore. Because we see here the commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, when we say it gets more hardcore, because how this translates in the Greek, by those who believe, you know what that is? I mean, I'm boiling it down, but it, it boils down to, you know, to believe hardcore and trust in God hardcore. You know, that's like my translation, but it's to believe and trust in God. I mean, when you hear that, you're like, okay, you believe and trust in God. I get it. You hear me say it's more hardcore. But just look at Corinth. You see the separation of the rev- the remnant from the leaven in chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The separation breaks my heart. Very difficult studies that we had. You see the separation of the remnant from the leaven. But then at the same time, you look at chapter 3, chapter 4, where they were one, where the leaven and the remnant were together. You could ask the church. I mean, if, if you were to stand in front of the church of Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and ask, hey, everybody, do you believe and trust in God? Everybody would say, yes, we do. Yes, we believe and trust in God. Okay. But then when you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 5, okay, everybody who's doing the sex and the alcohol and the drugs and all these things, okay, remnant, separate from these people. Then you know who really believes and trusts in the Lord. Because we're talking about hardcore. Oh, but I believe and trust in God. But you have to look at the fruit. Understand the formula. Look at the sex and the alcohol and the extortion that was happening in Corinth. And Paul said, remember, three years undeveloped. Three years arrested development. But they're the leaven. You see? Hardcore. And then these preacher guys come in. Speaking lies in their hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, when you remember our studies of the epistles and, 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 and the book of Acts. And you see Paul fighting the good fight. Who's not like the average bear. He is. This is the source of this exhortation to Timothy. I mean, Timothy could be reading this very letter and remember, wow, I remember when Paul fought like this. I remember when Paul fought like that. According to the Spirit, I remember when Paul, man, he was such a great fighter. I remember when Paul did this and he said that and this, you know. And I remember, according to the flesh, that yes, they left him for dead. But according to the Spirit, people came to Christ. The church grew strong in faith, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Carnally speaking, be like, wow, you know, Paul lost that fight. Spiritually speaking, wow, look at, look at the kingdom. Look at the advancement of the kingdom. You see? And when we see this at the end of verse 3, by those who believe and know the truth, this is knowing truth and believing like hardcore and trusting God Trusting God and that the Lord has his blessings. 
And that's how this translates. By those who believe. It's believe but hardcore. Believe and trust in the Lord. Looking at the fruit. Remember like Corinth. You know. You're, you're standing. First Corinthians chapter 3. You stand in front, of the, in front of the church. You know. Raise your hand if you believe and trust in the Lord. 100% would raise their hand. But then when you look at the fruit, you're like, well, wait a second. You say you you say you believe and trust in the Lord, but why are you having sex with your dad's wife? Now, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, what, what, what does he even say that? Well, that's what was happening in Corinth. And Paul says to the, to the, to the remnant, he says, separate from these people. Three years, uncorrected by the defunct pastors, the defunct elders. They weren't corrected. And it came at a heavy price. And so we see in verse 4, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Now, remember in the Old Testament, remember we just we, we, not, we just finished Leviticus, but we've studied Leviticus already. If you've been walking with us for a while now, the Old Testament, there's law has dietary restrictions. The law, the Old Testament law, the Old Covenant law, but the New Covenant law? The law of grace, the law of love, the law of Christ. It is not the old. I used to give the Disneyland example, but Disney's gone crazy now. So I'm going to give an amusement park example. Say, for example, we're in a church together. We're in a fellowship together. It's a tiny church because every other church is crazy. You get the, you pre, the, the take the mark of the beast guy. You take the 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 uh, 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 um, uh, uh, God is done with Israel theology. You have your replacement theology. You have the money preachers. You have all these. You have the grave soakers. You have all these things. So we have a tiny church and we have the a church bus, and we're going. I used to say Disneyland, but Disney is crazy now. So. You know, we're going to an amusement park, church trip. We go to amusement park. And there we are driving on the freeway and we're driving for hours and hours and hours. You know, we pull over for our bathroom breaks. We pull over for lunch, all these things. And, you know, all of a sudden we arrive. We're there. We park the bus and we are there. Now, you could pull up your phone, look, do GPS, and it says you are there. You have arrived. By every indication, we have arrived. We are there. By every indication, the fun should begin. But the real fun begins when we enter the gate. see how much more with our faith people can have all these rules in place but for what seems to be holy oh look you know you don't don't get married look don't get married look we're supposed to be holy don't get married oh look you know don't eat this we're supposed to be holy and the bible says this and the old testament says this and there's these commandments of the lord now remember when we remember the warning labels that came with our study in the old testament in torah the the, the major warning labels in our study in leviticus and numbers and deuteronomy and we correlate that with our study in in galatians and the introduction to Galatians and if you're listening for the first time make sure you listen to those studies it's very important to understand because 
The Bible does say that certain things of the law are pleasing to the Lord. Absolutely, the Bible says that. But it is also written. And when you understand the covenants, understand the rules of engagement according to covenants. You see, the law was added because of trespass. The law was added because of sin. Before the Ten Commandments, it was accounted to Abraham. His faith, his obedience, it was accounted unto Abraham for righteousness' sake. Pre-law, pre-Ten Commandments, there was only one law, the law of circumcision. You see? The law is the additive. That's something else we're seeing, the rise of the Hebrew Roots Movement in these last days. The rise of the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I get it. I understand it. Now, when I say I get it, I understand it because when I have these conversations with Christians, they see that the church is becoming crazy. Just like it's prophesied. You, know, you read the prophecies of the last days, the church is going to be crazy. You look at the church today and the church is crazy, which is you know one of many reasons why we say we're a last days church. We're a last days, we're last days saints because you look at the church, crazy town. It is prophesied that the church will be crazy town. Now, there are Christians, beautiful, beautiful believers, saints, that see the state of the church and sometimes it's their church that they go to. And they, wow, this church is crazy. We got the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. We got all these things. I look at the world. I look at the church and it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. Everybody's lukewarm. And you recognize that, yes, there's a problem in this church. They're lukewarm. You look at, you know, doing the sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And you look at the world. You look at the church. No difference. And so what happens is that people say, okay, I got to get out of this church. It's not safe for me because it's not safe for me. It's not safe for my kids because of the sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. So I need, I need more structure in my life. I need more structure in a church. And what do they do? There's usually two avenues. Avenue number one is Hebrew roots. Heavy church government. Avenue number two, reformed church. Heavy church government. One is Government according to the old covenant. The other is government according to Calvin. Both are wrong. You see? So what do we do? What do we do? Look, we go to this church and they're crazy. The sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. Hebrew roots, I can't go there. Reformed, I can't go there. Calvinist, I can't go there. Presbyterian, I can't go there. These are all derivatives of John Calvin. Not the Hebrew roots, but, you know, uh, Reformed, uh, uh, Presbyterian, uh, Calvinistic. These are all derivatives of John Calvin. All you got to do is look at, look at the church in Geneva. Look at, look, at this, look at the government of Geneva where they killed Christians. They burned them at the stake. The heavy church government. You see, when you understand formula, that's what you look for. 
That's what you pray for. I mean, if you're like, where do we go to church? Where do we go to church? You know, I can't go here. I can't go here. I can't go there. I can't go there. This guy's crazy. This guy's a freak show. This guy's a pervert. This guy's a sex ed. This guy's a druggie. This guy's alcoholic. This guy's an extortioner. This guy's, you know, money hungry. This guy's, where do I go? You look, where, where do I go? There's this lady, but she's a lady. She can't teach. I can't submit to her. What do I do? What do we do? When you understand formula, Pray. You seek the Lord. Seek for direction. You see? Pray. You look at the formula. And where you see the formula is right, you know that it is safe to submit yourself to a pastor. But when you know the formula, you know... Don't you dare submit yourself to the crazy town. Don't you dare submit yourself to the freak show. Don't you dare submit yourself to the hypocrite. Because the hypocrite speaks lies. You see? This is how departure from the faith happens. Remember, people say, well, like, oh, you know, oh, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and uh, I didn't choose him, he chose me. Eklegomai in the Greek. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Don't forget, Jesus says, you 12 I have chosen. You 12 I have eklegomai, except one of you is a devil. Same word, eklegomai. Oh, I didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose me. And the Bible says he will He will never lose any one of us. So once saved, all was saved. But don't forget, is that's the argument of the Calvinist, the Reformed theology person. They call it theology, I call it, I call it theory. You see, oh, I, I didn't choose God. God chose me. Jesus cho- chose me. And it is also written that he will He will never lose any one of us. So I'm good to go. Boom, eternal security. Boom, once saved, I was saved. But it is also written. Jesus says, you 12, I have chosen, but one of you is a devil. He said that to Judas. You read Acts 1, you see that Judas fell by transgression. Transgression, transgression. You see? You read Hebrews 3, you see that the heart hardens through transgression. It is also written. It's so simple. The Lord wouldn't make it hard for anybody. Satan would. You see? But Jesus says he will never lose any of us. Absolutely, it is true. But don't walk away. Don't revolt. Don't draw away. Don't depart. Don't fall away. Remember we gave the example with the baby girl? Baby girl's in the house. And you say, hey, baby girl, stay here. Stay in this house. You know, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And things are going to be safe. All you got to do is just stay in this house. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You come back, time passes, you come back, baby girl's gone. Did you lose baby girl? The answer is no. You didn't lose her. You know what happened? Baby girl walked away. So many times I have these discussions with Calvinists and Reformed theology people. They call it theology, it's really a theory. It's not theology. I mean, if they want to call it theology, you know, I'll concede and say it's a theology, but or I'll concede and say it's theology, but it's doctrine of demons. Just like we see here in verse 1. Doctrine of demons. In the example we gave baby girl. 
You come back, you know, you tell baby girl, stay here. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You leave, you come back, baby girl's gone. She walked away. You didn't lose her. She walked away. You see? Well, how did she walk away? She was seduced. She was deceived because while you were gone, the preacher guy came knocking on the door. You see? And the preacher guy who was unbeknownst to baby girl, he's a hypocrite. He speaks like he's a disciplined servant. He speaks like it. But what baby girl doesn't see is that he's beating on his wife, he's cheating on his wife, he's doing the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whole nine yards. He's a hypocrite. And in his hypocrisy, everything he speaks is a lie. Baby girl says, well, wait a second, that you you speak like 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 I was taught. You say these things that was written, and and so you must be right. But in his hypocrisy, he's speaking lies, and in his lies, he serves his father, the devil. And he says, come on, baby girl, it's going to be so good for you. And no, that's going to be so great. And let's go over here. All of a sudden, you come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. Baby girl was deceived. And in her deception, because she herself wasn't a Berean, she fell away. Same thing with regard to our faith. But it is written, Jesus will never lose me. Yes, it is. Absolutely true. Praise be to the Lord. But don't walk away. Don't walk away. We see how walking away happens. Just like we see in verse 1. It's the Spirit of the Lord who lays it out distinctly and very definitively that departure of the faith happens through giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. It is written. Well, how do we know it's if it's the doctrine of demons? Well, you have to be a Berean. You have to know the scriptures. You see? Well, how can I know the scriptures? You better have a good teacher. Well, how do I choose a teacher? You better know the formula. Not a zero package, not a one package, not a two package, not a three package. We're talking the full package, package four. The full package. Just like Paul, just like Timothy. And when you find the full package, very rare. Very rare. Remember, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, Paul says you have 10,000 teachers but one father. That's how rare it was 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. Fast forward in the future, today, you think it's going to be more prevalent or even more rare? Very rare. You see? When you find it, sometimes people ask me, what do I do? What do I do? Again, got this situation. What do I do? If you have it, stay. If you don't have it, pray and look for it. And if you can't find, it's like underground model. That's... That's, it's the blueprints are laid before us. It's so simple. And yet you have these preacher guys and oh, look, this is holy. So we're going to forbid this. We're going to command this. We're going to command that. You know what Paul says? He says, look, I I don't want to lord over your faith.
that's the formula. And so we get to verse five, understanding like we 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 look at uh, 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 like we looked at, at the end of verse three. Those who believe and know the truth, it's to know the truth and the, but to believe hardcore, which is to believe and trust in the Lord, understanding that you know this hardcore belief in the hardcore believer. I mean, it translates as to believe and the trust in the Lord, but I just break it down and say the hardcore believer. And when this is received with thanksgiving, just like we see in verse 4, nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Now, we're talking about, you know, food here. But when you follow these blueprints, this formula, now you have this effectuation, which we see in verse 5, that just like in verse 4, nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. In verse 5, for it is sanctified, made holy by the word of God and prayer. You see, the word became flesh. And through these effectuations, your intimacy with the Lord gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Your love gets deeper and deeper. And he's the one who says, abide in me. No period. He says, abide in me and I in you. See? We see this exact same thing with Peter in the book of Acts chapter 10. When Peter was like, you know, Lord, I can't eat this, you know, because according to the law, it is unclean. And the Lord just straight up says, don't call what, what I have cleansed, don't call dirty. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. You see, there's only one. There is only one who has the authority to change. I want to say like change the law, but it's not really changing the law. It's in fulfillment of the law. You see, sometimes, you know, I have these conversations with the Hebrew roots people, even the Hebrew roots teachers and pastors. Now, I've the most death, death threats that I have received come from the camp of the Hebrew roots. That's probably going to change as we get further in the last days. But the most death threats I have received come from the Hebrew roots camp, the teachers and the pastors. Because remember, the rules of engagement according to the law are rules of engagement not according to the new covenant. You see? But there's only one who has the authority which seemingly to change the old covenant but it's not changing the old covenant because he fulfills the law, Jesus Christ. He is the only one. He fulfills the law. And people say, well, wait a second, this is of, the, of the Hebrew roots camp. Well, if that's the case, you know, why would Jesus change the law? Well, change the law? I say change the law so that we can have an understanding. But fulfilling the law doesn't change the law. It's just like that amusement park example. I used to say Disneyland, but Disneyland is crazy town. Just like the amusement park. Remember, we get in the bus, we drive, and we're driving for miles and miles. We're going to have a great, like, heaps of fun. 
We're going to have a blast. We're going to eat. We're going to have fun. We're going to go on rides. We're going to do all kinds of things. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be ultra fun. But the fun doesn't start until we enter the gate. We can park our car and by every sense of the word, by every sense of you can look at the, the maps on the phone, you can do the geolocation, you can do all these things and like, wow, we are there. We have arrived at the amusement park. But the fun doesn't begin until we enter the gate. When we enter the gate, it's a brand new ball game. It's a different experience. You could say, wow, you know, now that we're in the, it, now that we've entered the gate, things have changed. Well, it's, yes, things have changed, but they were always there. You see, they were always there. Even when we were hundreds of miles away, they were still there. Even when we were a thousand miles away, they were still there. Even when we're in the parking lot, even when we're walking from the parking lot to the gate, they're there. But the actual experience where for us it changes, but it's always been there. What's required is for you and me together to enter the gate. And sometimes I have these conversations with the Hebrew roots and where I get the highest concentration of death threats in accordance to the law because they operate in the rules of engagement according to the law. You see, it's understandable. I get it. I completely understand it. But that's like parking lot mentality. You have to enter the gate. If you're Hebrew roots, you have to enter the gate. When you enter the gate, it's a new ball game. You see? You can be in the parking lot and say that, you know, you're abiding in Christ, but you haven't even entered the gate because the law doesn't enter the gate. The law leads to the gate, but you haven't entered. You see? It's a whole new ballgame. And that's why abiding in Christ for Peter, new ballgame. What Paul is saying here, in verse 4, every creature is of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified, made holy by the word of God and prayer. Different ballgame. We're not talking parking lot. We're not talking about 100 miles away. We're not talking about 1,000 miles away. We're not talking about, at you know, five feet away from the gate. We're talking about once entry has been made, we are now in the gate. New ballgame. You see? And remember, this is Paul to Timothy in verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things. Now, to instruct the brethren, it's much deeper than just, you know, you know, to, 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 to instruct and to teach, which is good, but it's much deeper. It's to put in remembrance. Put in remembrance in the saints. That's how it translates in the Greek. Put these things in remembrance. Pastor is a hypocrite. He's forgotten himself. If the pastor is a hypocrite, he disqualifies himself. 
You see? Very specific formula that is holy. So many times you have the guilt trippers. And they like to play off emotions. Oh, the the pastor, you know, he's doing his sex, he's doing his drugs, he's doing his alcohol. Number one, men will be men. You see, oh, you're, we're called to be loving, so just forgive him. Look, he's doing his crack. Get this pastor, he's got a nice smile on his face. He's a good expositor of the Bible. And so he's doing his crack. He goes to the strip clubs. Oh, he's just a man. You know, men will be men. And you have these guilt trippers who play on emotions. And, oh, just, just forgive him. Let's keep going to the church and let's keep submitting ourselves to him. That's Laodicea. You see, he can repent to the Lord. He can come to you and say, I'm sorry, and you can forgive him. But you cannot submit yourself to him. You see, because of his hypocrisy, very specific formula. He disqualifies himself. Be very careful with the guilt trippers. They don't understand formula. Be very careful with the meddlers, the busybodies, the guilt trippers. Because they don't understand formula. Their whole, look at the fruit. You see? The counsel that you receive, there's a formula there too. In looking at the fruit. Because if you're going to take the counsel from the busybody from the meddler, which in more ways than one serves Satan than rather than serve the Lord, then don't expect green, green pastures and still waters. Expect mess. I mean, when, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll talk to the busybody, the meddler, and they'll say, oh, you know, oh, the Bible says that, you know, we got to do this. So you do this and you do this and you do that. And all you got to do is look in the history books of everybody that they have previously counseled. <laughs> is it better for them when they yield to the counsel of this source, when they yield to the counsel of the busybody, when they yield to the counsel of the meddler? How did it turn out for them? What is the track record of the meddler? Because the track record where you see, where you don't see green pastures and still waters in their history book of counsel, don't follow. You see, never follow the meddler, the busybody, the guilt trippers. Oh, the Bible says this, so therefore you got to do this. Because they're the busybody. Be very selective in who you receive counsel from. Like marriage counselors who are on their third marriage. Stupid. Marriage counselor from people, the guy abuses his wife. You see? The wife has her little secret relationship and they're going to give marriage counseling. Doesn't work that way. The formula is not right. And so Paul, he's saying to... Junior pastor, Timothy, 
When you put these things in remembrance in the believers, in verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Translates as, you will be a good diakonos of Jesus Christ, or you will be a good, good, here is good, better, honest, valuable, beautiful, and virtuous. That's the kind of minister you're going to be unto Jesus Christ. You see, look for men like this. Look for men like this. You have it? Stay. You don't have it? Pray and seek. Pastors. Full package. Very rare. Very, very rare. Which coincides with the famine of the Word of God. That isn't coming. It's here. Beautiful men that Jesus has called to care for your soul. You see, just like Paul, just like Timothy, just like Dr. Luke, just like James, just like John, just like Peter. You see, Junior Pastor Timothy, hearing this from Paul, or you know, reading it from Paul's letter, that if you do these things and instruct the brethren and put these things in remembrance in the camp of Christ, you, beautiful Timothy, will be a good minister, will be a good diakonos, will be a better diakonos, will be an honest diakonos, will be a valuable diakonos, will be a beautiful diakonos, will be a virtuous diakonos of Jesus Christ. The master, the head of the church, the head pastor of the church, Jesus Christ. You see? And don't forget, Paul and Timothy were in a very special bubble for 14 years. Timothy in Paul's bubble for 14 years. Paul knows what he fed. He knows all about the formula. He knows new new wine that flows into Timothy. And he's the one, Senior Pastor Paul, the Junior Pastor Timothy, is saying that if you do these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith. Nourished is to be brought up, to be fed, to be fattened in the words of faith. You see, church isn't a social club. It's not a social club. It's the house of God. I mean, have you ever been to a church? And what's so beautiful about being sealed by the Spirit of the Lord is that you'll feel it. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, like the, 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 the TBN guys, you know, the tricking believers nightly guys. There are certain things that you can just feel. And that's what happens when you're sealed of the Lord. You can go, you don't even have to know like the depths of sound doctrine. You just, you believe in Jesus Christ. You love the Lord. You fear the Lord. And you might know like 
3% of the Bible because you're a baby, you're moving on to perfection and you're learning and gaining this knowledge and understanding, but you still just don't have, you know, you're not at the deadly phase yet. You're not at the mature phase yet, but you're growing, you're moving on to perfection and you will be there. You will get there. But at the very early stages and you're sealed of the Lord, you just feel it. You just feel it. Like, you know, I, I know people love this guy, but there's just something off about him. I know people like this guy, but there's just something off. I know people, this is a big church, but it's just something off here. You know what that is? That's the conviction of the spirit. And there are churches where it feels like home, which are rare and it's growing more rare. There are churches that feels like home. There are saints who feel like home. Ecclesia, the body of the called, the body of the hagios, not a social club. And Paul is telling young Pastor Timothy to instruct the brethren in these things in verse 6. And in so doing, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. You see? Of the good doctrine. This is so beautiful because good doctrine, you know, remember we looked at the good minister, but we see here the good doctrine. Same word here. Good, better, honest, valuable, beautiful, and virtuous. In the case of Timothy, he's a good minister, but it stems from good doctrine. You see, the fruit of good doctrine, the fruit of sound doctrine is good minister, good diakonos. You see? You look, you look at seminaries, which I call cemeteries. You look at seminaries where the doctrine isn't right. The formula isn't right. The doctrine, they teach, you know, replacement theology. They teach, you know, seminaries. Seminaries. And they teach replacement theology. They teach Calvinism. They teach Reformed. They teach, you know, uh, uh, grave soaking. And you, you figure the duty of task of a seminary is to, like, you know, train pastors. But what's being taught? Oh, I went to seminary. I went to seminary. I went to seminary. I am holy. Oh, what seminary did you go to? Oh, I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. I went to Liberty. I went to this Bible college. I went over here. I went to the, you know, the masters. I went over here. I did this. I did that. What is their doctrine? Oh, they, you know, they, 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 they teach the grave soaking. We went grave soaking every day. You know, we're, we're good godly men. And, you know, we did grave soaking every night. We study this theology, you know, according to John Calvin. We do all these things. Think about what's being pumped out in terms of pastors, you know, the, the, the pastor mill, so to speak. Supposedly godly men going forth and, you know, to, you know, oh, we go and make disciples and we plant churches. We do this church planting. We do this. But where's the doctrine? You see? Where's the doctrine? Where's the good doctrine? 
the good ministers that come from good doctrine and sound doctrine, they're ministers, all right. But of good doctrine? Who do they serve? They say, well, you sound like an elitist. Are you better? No, just, no. Remember Paul, he says, we're the scum of the earth. We're trash. We're the scum of the earth. You're the field. We're the scum of the the earth. That's what Paul says. But there's a very specific formula that the word of God lays forth. And Paul says, the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. It's beautiful here because to carefully follow is to be on the same road in in accompaniment close union, and in the same way. I mean, there's the this translation of, you know, to carefully follow and to be in, in, in the same way, but I just like to boil it down and say bubble. Timothy submitted himself to Paul. Now look. New wine flows from new wineskin to new wineskin. You see? The Lord is the one who leaked this one-on-one letter so that you and me can understand and know formula. When it is written in Hebrews 13, to submit yourself to the pastor, a lot of people just do it blindly. They just, okay, submit yourself to the pastor. Okay, I'm going to submit to this guy. I'm going to submit to this lady. I'm going to submit to this other guy. I'm going to submit to this other lady. But you cannot do that. You have to understand the formula of sound doctrine. You have to understand the formula of pastor, the formula of overseer, the formula of elder, so that these leaked letters that the Lord leaked so that we can know all of a sudden, it's like, wow, now it's safe for me to submit to Timothy. Now it's safe for me to submit to Paul because it is written what the formula looks like. You don't see that? Don't submit. It's dangerous. You cannot submit. You see? And so we continue in verse 7. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Verse 8, I love so much for bodily exercise profits a little. I love this. You know, if you're kind of chubby, you know, verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little. You know how this translates? It's bodily exercise, bodily exercise. Uh, the degree of advantage is puny. That's how it translates in the Greek of bodily exercise. The degree of its advantage for you, it's puny. It is minuscule. I love this so much. Because people go to the gym, they work out, they get fit, and they, you know, reduce their run times. They do all these things. They watch their diet. They do, you know, if you ever spoken to an athlete, like a professional athlete, not like an athlete, like, you know, a recreational sport. I'm talking about a professional athlete, you know, to, to, to cut weight and the things that they do to prepare for a fight, the things that they do to prepare for a match, the things that they do to prepare for a game, the things that they do just in preparation Sometimes the preparation is even harder than actually doing the event, actually doing the whatever sport it is. Sometimes the actual preparation and getting prepared and ready for a fight or for a match or for a race or for whatever. Sometimes the preparation is more intense than the actual event itself. 
And the Bible says that the degree of advantage is puny, bodily exercise. And Paul makes the comparison here to godliness. Yes, there's there's a puny little advantage to bodily exercise, but godliness? Godliness to me? Now, put yourself in Timmy's sandals. Beautiful little Timothy with Paul in Paul's bubble for 14 years. And Paul is the one who's telling him about godliness after all they've been through. Paul is the one. And Paul says of Timothy, there is no one who cares for your soul like Timothy. No one is like-minded as Timothy who sincerely cares for your soul. Paul speaks of Timothy like Timothy's his own son. He's not his biological son, but he's his son in the faith. Timothy sees Paul as his biological father or as his spiritual father. Biologically, it's not his father. Spiritually, it's like his father, family. And he's the one who's telling Timothy about godliness after all they've been through. Yes, that bodily exercise, it has a puny degree of advantage, but godliness, little Timmy, in verse 8, is profitable for all things. For all things. Bodily exercise, puny. Godliness, for all things. Having promise of life, of the life that now is, no period, there's more. And of that which is to come. You see, bodily exercise can't deliver here. Because you could be a jerk, go to the gym, work out, get strong, get buff. And you know what? You're still a jerk. You could be a sex head, go to the gym, work out. And you know, after a month, after a year, you might be big, you might be strong. But you're still a sex head. You might be on crack, you go to the gym, you work out. Well, you don't need to lose weight if you're on crack because you got the crack diet. You could be alcoholic. Go to the gym, work out, you get strong, you get muscles, all these things. You're still alcoholic. You see? You could be the biggest jerk on the planet and say you're chubby. The biggest jerk on the planet. You got your sex, your alcohol, you're the biggest jerk on the planet. You go to the gym, get on the treadmill, get on the, uh, on the, on the bicycle, do all these things, the elliptical, all these things. And wow, you know, you really slim down, you lose weight, all these things. But you know what? You're still a jerk. You're still a sex head. You're still the drug. You're still the alcoholic. There is an advantage to bodily exercise, but it is puny. Godliness? Godliness. You can be a jerk and exercise the mind in truth. And you know what happens? You change. You could be the sex head, the alcoholic, the druggie, the jerk. You could be anything. Mary, Buddha, the gambler. You could be the uh, Krishna. You could be the Ouija boards. All kinds of the occult. 
but you exercise the mind in truth, in submission to Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, and you know what happens? You change. You're no longer those things. Look at the advantage in this life alone. You're not a jerk anymore. You're not doing the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. You're not doing anything, any of those things. You are a new creation in Christ. But the advantage and the benefit isn't just for this life. Because in the life to come, paradise. Paradise. Oneness with Jesus, Son of the Most High. You see? There is an advantage to bodily exercise, but it's puny in comparison to godliness. Because godliness is profitable for all things. And it has the promise of today, tomorrow, and the life to come. See? And so we see in verse 9, this is a faithful saying. Now, remember, this is Paul to Timothy. And he's saying this is a faithful and trustworthy discourse is how it translates. Remember, Paul's not like the average bear. He's not the run-of-the-mill pastor. This isn't a letter from Himenaeus. This is a letter from Paul. And he is the one who's saying that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. And this breaks my heart because is it? I mean, it is that it is worthy of all acceptance, but is it accepted in the church today? It breaks my heart because it isn't. It's worthy of all acceptance, absolutely, but is it accepted today? No. I mean, you keep hearing us make this, oh, yeah, let's go in our time machine. We go in our time machine here, here, here. We go back in time. We go back in the future. We go back in time. And we we make, when I read the Bible, I, I'm like there in real time. And that's how I teach. But if Paul were to get into a time machine, we go back into the, in the past. We pick up Paul. We come to the future. I don't think Paul would be well received in the church today. Most likely kicked out. Oh, that's not loving. How dare you say that? How dare you say this? That's not very loving, Paul. I don't think Paul would be well received in the church today. I mean, he wasn't well received in the church 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. At first he was. At first he was. But towards the end, only Luke is with me, he says. Demas has left me. Remember Jesus? John chapter 6. Do a census in John 6. Count the number of people. Because in John John chapter 6, you have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And yes, Jesus feeds them. And they eat. Their bellies are nice and full. And in John 6, at the very beginning, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people and they're following Jesus. And you read that and you're like, wow, this is beautiful. Jesus is feeding them. 
beautiful that Jesus is feeding them using his disciples. And wow, this is so beautiful. And yes, it is. But you keep reading. Jesus continues on his journey and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are following him. You read that and you're like, wow, this is so beautiful. Thousands of people are following him. But then Jesus stops for a moment. He turns around and addresses the people and he says this to them. He says, you guys, I'm paraphrasing. He says, you guys are following me because your bellies are nice and full. You're following me because your bellies are nice and full. Not because of the things I say. But you're following me because your bellies are nice and full. And you know what happened at that moment? People started to leave him. How dare you say this? You hurt my little feelers. How dare you say this? My feelings are hurt. Their bellies were nice and full and they were following Jesus. And when Jesus gave them more truth, they stopped following him. You see, thousands became hundreds. And then Jesus turns to the disciples, which were hundreds, you know, people who were students of Jesus. Not the 12. They were, you know, they, they were disciples, but not the 12. Jesus turns to his disciples and gives them even more truth. And then he asks them a question. He says, does this offend you? Does this offend you? And it breaks my heart, but it is written. Disciples left him and followed Jesus no more. And then we get to the twelve. In John chapter 6, all you got to do is count the population. Thousands and thousands and thousands at the beginning. At the end of just one chapter, 12. You see? And that's what truth does. That's what truth does. Just like with Paul. Paul. Well-respected, well-liked. But then at the end, only Luke is with me. Demas has left me. And so we see this. He says in verse 9 that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. And I say, yes, it is worthy of acceptance. But is it worthy of acceptance everywhere? The answer is no. Just like we said earlier, the more wayward a church is, the more abrasive truth is. The more wayward a Christian is, the more abrasive truth is. Use it as a barometer. You see? For to this end in verse 10, we both, remember, this is a one-on-one -on -one letter, Paul to Timothy. We both, the letter got leaked by the Lord. Most Christians think that this letter is an epistle to the church, but it isn't. We get to read it. 
but few understand the depths of this one-on-one bubble. Pastor to pastor. He says in verse 10, For to this end, we both, Paul and Timothy, labor and suffer reproach. Labor is to work hard in and through fatigue. Labor and suffer reproach, which is disgrace, defamation, disapproval. That's what Paul says to Timothy. Remember, Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's in jail for a reason. Now, remember, it is written, you know, to, to, to be in jail because you're a jerk, that's one thing. You can't call that persecution. No, you're in jail because you're a jerk. To be in jail because, you know, you beat up somebody. No, you're in jail because you beat up somebody. But in the case of Paul, he was in jail because of Jesus, his walk with the Lord, because of righteousness. That's persecution. Sometimes, you know, Christians, oh, I'm persecuted, I'm persecuted. This guy said this thing about me. Well, what did he say? Oh, he said I'm a jerk. Well, proof is in the pudding. You know, you're kind of a jerk. You see? Let's be honest here. Some people, oh, I'm being persecuted. I'm being persecuted. What's the persecution? Oh, this, this and that and this and that. Well, is it true? Because if it's true, that's probably a brother who said that to you. That's probably a sister who said that to you who cares for your soul. Remember, Iron sharpens iron. Styrofoam doesn't sharpen iron. And that's what's so beautiful about the fellowship of the saints. The fellowship of the remnant. I mean, fellowship of the saints is beautiful, but we have to make the distinction of remnant and leaven because the fellowship with the leaven, not good. That's where we have the separation in Corinth. Just like we said, you know, the, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the extortion, all these things. It's like, okay, that's leaven. Now, leaven, say goodbye to the leaven. And now, remnant, now let's get you cleaned up. And now that you're cleaned up, now we can teach and pour into you. You see? But that doesn't happen today. People just blindly say, oh, fellowship of the saints, fellowship of the saints. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. And yes, it is a beautiful thing, but understand the formula. Because to bear one another's burdens is very beautiful, very holy. But you do that with the habitual sinner? You can't. Now it's safe, but now it's not safe for you to do that. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders to keep the house of God clean? You see? To keep the house of God clean for his glory. Because it's his church. He makes the rules. Because the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. And because there's no sound doctrine being taught, and if it's not taught, it's not understood. So now all of a sudden, you you have the a habitual sinner. Remember, we studied that in our Thessalonian studies. But the Bible says, where there's habitual sin, that is leaven. Habitual sin should not be inside the church. What do we see in today's church? Habitual sin, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, habitual sin. Oh, it's, it's a, it's habitual, you know, it's, 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 it's habitual sin, the sex. Look at pornography in the church today. Oh, it's habitual sin, God is love. Drugs in the church today. Oh, it's habitual sin, God is love. Let's just love and let's just bear burdens of this brother. Let's just bear the burdens of this sister. What does the Bible say? Don't bear the burdens of the habitual sinner. 
You know why? Because that's leaven. You take a 15-year-old girl and she's going to bear the burdens of a a 30-year-old female crack addict? You know what's going to happen? 15-year-old girl is going to become a crackhead in bearing the burdens of 30-year-old crackhead. Now, the, the carnal, the ones who are blind, the ones who are deaf would be like, they would encourage that. Oh, look, we're to bear one another's burdens. And look, this 15-year-old girl, she's bearing the burdens of this 30-year-old lady. And oh, she's bearing the burden. Oh, yes, let's just pray for them. Let's just pray for them. And yes, 15-year-old girl, look, it's so good because you're bearing the burden. Oh, yes, we're, we're just praying for you. This is so beautiful and so holy. Oh, look, because the Bible says we got to do this. And the 15-year-old girl, she was guilt-tripped there by the meddlers and the busybodies. The 15-year-old girl had reservation about it. She's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can bear those burdens. I know the Bible says bear those burdens, but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. I just don't feel good about it. And, you know, she receives counsel from the an older woman and the older woman who's a busybody, the meddler. says, oh, yeah, 15-year-old, go ahead and do this. Bear these burdens and do this. And so the 15-year-old is like, wow, you know, this lady's been a Christian her whole life. And surely she knows what she's talking about. But unbeknownst to the 15-year-old girl, the older lady, she's a busybody. She's a meddler who doesn't have understanding. So the 15-year-old all of a sudden bears the burdens of the 30-year-old crackhead. And within five months, the 15-year-old, all of a sudden, she's a crack addict. She's a crack addict. And now, now the... The busybody, the meddler, oh, you're attacked. It was a spiritual attack. I'm just going to pray for you. And look, you're under attack. And oh, you know, you have to fight because, oh, you know, you're under spiritual attack and all these things. And oh, look, the you know, we have to fight a spiritual warfare. And all of a sudden, you know, what happens is the busybody, the meddler, they like to appear like they are in a teacher capacity. But you know what they are? They're in full capacity. They're in the state of the idiotes, where we get the word idiot from. They're the, med- the meddler and the busybody, they're in the idiot uh, position. And they're the ones giving counsel. Now, 15-year-old girl is now a crackhead. When the whole time it had an appearance of holiness, because look, bear one another's burdens. It had an appearance of holiness. Look, people, we there was prayer, you know, we prayed over the lady, we prayed over the girl, everything was fine and dandy. It had an appearance of everything holy, but it wasn't. It was wicked. You see? Now, what should have happened was the pastor or elder, preferably elder, to say, you know, the 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 30-year-old crack addict, you know, if she's on, on crack for the past 10 years and she's been in the church for 10 years, even five years, because the Bible says that addictions is also leaven. Remember our study in Second Thessalonians? Addictions is also leaven. That in not letting go of the crack. Remember, Jesus says, go and sin no more. 
and in not letting go of the crack, all of a sudden it's leaven inside the church and the leaven should have never been there. You see, the house of God must be kept clean. Now, we also understand, baby, it's not like, you know, a person smokes a cigarette, okay, it's like, boom, you're out. No, 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 no. We have to understand babies. Babies do baby things. I mean, a new believer, you know, you take a, a, a sex head, crack kid, alcoholic, all kinds of different things, and they're a new believer in Christ, praise be to the Lord. Absolutely pray for that individual. They're a brand new believer. And as a brand new believer, they have to grow, they have to mature and understand that, okay, crack is bad. Crack, don't do the crack. No more sex, no more alcohol. And, you know, they let go of those things because they're taught, they're, do, they're babies, they're doing baby things. But as they grow, as they mature, they've laid aside those things which so easily hinder them. Now a person's a five-year-old in Christ, five years Christian, 10-year Christian. And now the 15-year-old, now it's safe for her to bear those burdens. Because the 15-year-old might be like, you know, you know, entering young adulthood, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, a young adult. And now she's exercised to bear in burdens. But the whole time, the elders kept the house of God clean. The pastor kept the house of God clean where it was safe to bear burdens. There was a time I was in a state of sorrow and I was driving my car. And in my state of sorrow, I couldn't drive anymore because, you know, I was praying. You know, sometimes, you know, driving and listening to worship music i can't do that you know i, I want to do it but i can't do it because I, you know i want to worship you know and i worship and if i worship I, I crash and i die and i fly through the windshield so i don't do that but you know i'm in my car and i was in a state of sorrow and so i pulled over and i parked my car and there was a park there and i get out and i I'm at the park i go to a park bench you know and i'm praying and i'm, I'm just there by myself and i'm praying i'm at a park and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I look up. And I was getting like the stink eye from all these women. And, you know, it was it was beautiful. Because it, you see these women, they're like surrounding this park where the little kids play. And I was getting the stink eye from these women. Because, you know, you got this guy on a park bench. And, you know, he's just sitting there, you know. And I was praying. And it just blew me away so much. Because I was like, wow, these these women. It's like, that's how pastors should be. Because it's like how safe it was for all the kids in that little playpen. And all these kids. In the, now, th these women, they didn't know that I was in a state of sorrow. They didn't know that I was praying for somebody. They didn't know that I was like, you know, pleading with the Lord. Lord, what do I do in this? They didn't know that I was, you know, praying for a particular individual. They didn't know that. All they see, there's a guy here in a park bench. And I look up. And, you know, I got back in my car and I left and I, you know, it was kind of a bummer because, you know, like I, I didn't want them to, to be in a state of like, you know, like, you know, like, like I was a threat. But at the same time, I thought it was so beautiful because I was like, wow, that's how pastors should be. That's how pastors should be. We're like in the church. It is safe for the lambs. It is safe for the sheep to to gather and fellowship and in that little playpen area which is kind of a big area but you know they have all these kids 
different walks of life. You know, you got black, white, you know, different nationalities. You got the brown, you got the light brown. You got everybody, the white and the different nationalities. You got everybody, all these little kids. And it's safe for them to play, they're running around, doing all these things, having a blast. But around that, like a little encirclement, around that you have all these moms. All these moms watching like hawks, making sure the kids are safe, watching the kids, you know, like that, making sure there's no fights, making sure that everything plays nice. But then you have moms who are also looking outward, making sure there's no, no threat to the kids. It's so beautiful. But that's what the church should be like. The overseers. Making sure the saints are in good order, making sure that there's no fights, making sure that there's no works of the flesh. And that's what the elders should be doing. Pastors too, but even more so elders. That's what should be happening in the camp. As overseers, men, making sure everything's beautiful with the saints. But then at the same time, looking outward. Making sure there's no threats. So that just like the two kids can play, they play nicely. No fights. No works of the flesh in the kids. But the same thing inside the church. No works that, you know, 15-year-old girl can bear the burdens of the 30-year-old. Why? Because it's safe. You have overseers that, hey, don't, don't, you know, the crackhead, the sex, those are, that's old nature. That guy's dead. That lady's dead. You are a new creation in Christ. But saints don't understand the depths of these things. Why? Because they're not taught. You see? And if they're not taught, look at how wide the door is open for the servants of Satan, the deceiving spirits, and the doctrines of demons. Look at how wide that door is open for them to come into the church, for the wolf to come into the church. Because there's no overseers. You say, wait a second, there are overseers. Look, we have our pastors, we have our co-pastors, we have our elders, we have our deacons, we have our bishops. That's nice. If that's the case, that means they're defunct. The formula's wrong. That means they're defunct. Just like in Corinth. And so we see here in verse 10, for to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach, which is disgrace, defamation, and disapproval. That, you know, when you count the cost, I mean, you count the cost of being a Christian, you know, absolutely count the cost. But you count the cost of being a pastor, being an elder, being a teacher. You will be disgraced. You will be defamed. You will be disapproved. You know by who? The carnal. The unbelieving, the uncircumcised. And I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church. You will be disgraced. People who believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't obey Jesus Christ. Even the demons believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't obey Jesus Christ. 
Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. You're a disgrace to the church. Look, God is love. We don't want you anymore. You know what? We're going to go to this other church. You know, there's churches on every street corner. We're going to go to this other church. I don't like how you teach because I want to come to church and feel good about myself. I want to be doing my sex, my drugs, my alcohol, and I want to come to church and feel good about myself. Listen, in sin, you won't feel good about yourself. The only way you'll feel good about yourself is when you're obeying Jesus Christ. And in obeying Jesus Christ, even then, you don't want to feel good about yourself. You know why? Because you want to rejoice and give glory and praise to the Lord, not glory and praise to yourself. You see? The package deal, the full package, not zero package, not package one, two, three. I'm talking about full package, package four. Don't expect Mr. Popular. You will suffer reproach inside the church. Outside the church, yes. But inside the church as well. And there's a reason because in verse 10, because we have, we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Now this word to believe, it's just like we studied earlier. It's a hardcore believer who believe hardcore. It's to, to, to believe and trust in the Lord. You see, Jesus is the savior of all men. And just like we studied in the previous chapters, you know, Jesus is the savior of all men. The gift of salvation is for all. But the question is, who receives? Who receives? You see? Because you have Calvinist and Reformed theology, Reformed theory, and what they say is that, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross, but you know, only in a uh, salvific way. Only in an effective way. To the elect. You see, they make up these excuses to support and to support the lie of Calvin. Jesus is the Savior of all men. The gift of salvation is for all men and women, young, old. But who receives the gift? You see, and if you have received, be hardcore. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be lukewarm. Be hardcore. And if you are hardcore, don't expect friends. Don't expect a lot of friends. You see, you won't have a lot of friends. Your friends will dissipate, but you will have love feast. Absolutely. You know, we make these distinctions between, you know, believer and hardcore believer. And when you're a hardcore believer, there are innumerable amounts of things, innumerable things that are effectuated because of your belief and your love and your fear of the Lord and your trust in Him. They become effectuated in your intimacy with Him. Outside of that is unbelief inside the church. 
Just like we see in the camp of Israel when the Lord says, how long will these people refuse to believe me? You're like, wait a second. You have the camp of Israel and the Lord just rescued them from Egypt and the, 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 the sea opened up. They passed on dry ground. And the Lord is saying that how long will these people uh, refuse to believe me? How could they not believe after all he's done? Look at today. How can Christians not believe after all he's done? And in their state of unbelief, Christians, they believe in Jesus Christ without obedience. They're not hardcore. And through their unbelief, yes, unbelief. Because remember, faith and works, they're inseparable. They're together. Package deal. Faith and works. It's not like works like, you know, we got to have 10 converts or else we're going to burn in hell. No, it's faith and works, belief and obedience. And without that, people make up excuses for their lack of faith. I'll put it another way. They make up excuses for their lack of power. I'll put it another way. They make up excuses for quenching the spirit. I'll put it another way. They make up excuses for extinguishing the spirit. They have no power. Lights are going out. Lamps aren't just growing dim in these last days. They're straight up going out. It's early. It's already happening. And so they make up excuses. Well, the Holy Spirit... What you read in the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. Why is it not for today? When, when you hear somebody say that, oh, the how the Spirit moves, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. Ask them, why? Why? You know, ask them. Show me in the Bible where there's an expiration date. On what you say is an expiration date. Show me in the Bible. Number one, they won't be able to. Number two, they'll give you an explanation, but the explanation is an excuse for their powerless lives. You see? Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. Listen. There are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They're not just a threat to the church. They're inside the church. You see? They're inside the church. And giving heed to them, that's how people depart from the faith. That's how the drawing away and departing and the falling of the way, falling away from the faith happens. You see? That's how it happens. It's demonic. It's a trap. It's a trick. Because Satan, non-believers, they're going to burn in hell. You see, which is why, you know, the Lord says, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's a straight up rescue mission. We go out and rescue. Satan knows the blueprints. We go on a rescue mission. But he knows that in going in that rescue mission, he knows that there's power behind that. And so what does he do? He likes it when lamps go out. He likes it when there's no power. 
You see, he's eliminating the threat to him. He knows how to fight. He knows the word of God. But the remnant, it's, this is a battle for souls. The non-believer, Satan has them. The believer, Satan tries to get them. And the, the believer, Satan tries to get them, and he is very effective. Don't forget, Satan is a fisherman too. He is very effective. But when the formula is right, in a church, the formula is right in the pastor, in the elders, the formula is right in the congregation, the formula is right, Satan will do everything in his power, everything in his might to prevent that from happening so that there's no love feast. Because he knows once that happens in a body, that's a threat to him. You see? But that's that's the blueprints. Love feast. The house of God that is kept clean. And yes, there's going to be works of the flesh. Not, nobody's perfect. There will be works of the flesh. But it's mitigated by sound doctrine. As it's being taught. The Holy Spirit helping. the Lord. Remember, the Lord says, I send you a helper. The Holy Spirit doing exactly that. Helping. In His power. The Holy Spirit gifting according to the gifts that are written. Because people don't have that today. And there's a reason why they don't have it today. I mean, there's, you know, when the formula is right, there are certain things that are effectuated in the believer. You see? Where you don't see effectuation in the believer, there's a reason. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. There is a reason. So when you hear people say, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago, the Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. Number one, they won't be able to show you in the Bible an expiration date on the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Which brings forth another question. Why is it that this person doesn't have these gifts of the Spirit as identified in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14? You see, there's a reason. It's the heart. That person doesn't experience the power of the Lord. That person doesn't experience the gift of the Spirit in accordance to His Word for a reason. What is the condition of His heart? What is the condition of her heart? And then on top of that, who's His teacher? Who's her teacher? Who does He, who does she acknowledge as teacher? And what's the formula in the teacher? Because if their understanding of scripture is from a teacher that is not the full package, you know the problem. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That the spirit of our Lord, the Holy Spirit, expressly says, just like we see in verse 1. You see? I mean, we boil it down, but it's so simple. 
And so we see here in verse 11, in closing, these things command and, and teach. Remember, this is senior pastor Paul to junior pastor Timothy. These things command and teach. So Timothy's like with marching orders, you know, like I'm going to command and teach these things. Just like we study here. Timothy's like a, a brand new pastor starting his pastoral ministry. But look how long he's been in this holy bubble. Beautiful, beautiful bubble. His sponge phase, learning from Paul. You know, in the early stages, in the early days, you know, in sponge mode. In the in the middle days, you know, like in yo-yo mode. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you're you know, studying the book of Acts, you, you remember what we say about yo-yo. And in his yo-yo mode with Paul. But now, he's his own bubble now. Still a holy bubble of Paul, but now he's his own bubble as pastor. Now those in his bubble, it is beautiful for them to submit themselves to little Timothy. Big Timothy now. See? Now you have young Pastor Timothy in verse 12. He's a younger fellow. Let no one despise your youth. You see, church isn't a, a, a union. It's not you treated like a union with seniority. Oh, this guy's got white hair, so he's holy. Oh, this lady's got white hair, so she's holy. No, I, you know, among the elderly, you know, I see beauty and, you know, I also see not so beautiful. I see a lot of the busybodies and meddlers among the older. Eh, some younger, but by and large, I see the busybodies and meddlers among the old people that, that's not like a, a a knock on old people if you're old you know you listen to our studies and you read the word of god it's like well, wait a second look at what the lord can do with the old people like he did with old man moses beautiful things old man old man paul pouring into timothy beautiful but when you understand formula when you're old and you understand formula you realize like wow there's a very specific formula and when you're old and Young Pastor Timothy comes on the scene and you understand formula, you realize as an old guy, as an old lady, you have young Pastor Timothy, that it is safe to submit yourself to young Pastor Timothy because he's young, yes, but he cares and watches out for your soul. You see, not a union mentality. We're like, oh, how can, how dare this whippersnapper attempt to teach me? Oh, look, I'm old. He has to respect my, my seniority. He has to respect. No, there is Respect for the elders and respect for the old, yes. But there's also submission to the pastor. You see? Now, when I say submission to the pastor, if you're old and the formula is not right in the pastor, just like with anybody else, don't you dare submit yourself to the fool. Don't you dare submit yourself to the when the formula is wrong in the pastor. The formula has got to be right. You see? But you could be like 80 years old. And have like a, a a 30 year old pastor. And when the formula is right in the 30 year old pastor, at as age 80, you submit yourself to him. Because he's watching out for your soul. He's caring for your soul. He prays for you. He cares for you. He's feeding you. He's protecting you. You see? And Paul said, let no one despise your youth in verse 12. But be an example, which is a pattern for emulation, just like we see how Paul's an example. 
Timothy is an example too. Be an example to the believers, you see? This is the same word for the hardcore, you see? There is ample example of the idiotes, of the wolves, of the hirelings, of the fools, of the hypocrites. And they'll receive their judgment. Do not follow such. Paul is saying to Timothy, be a pattern for the believers, those who love and trust in the Lord, who believe and trust in the Lord. Be a pattern for the hardcore. Those who believe hardcore, those who trust in God hardcore. It's not a pride thing at all, but in the utmost humility unto the Lord. And Paul's saying, be a pattern for emulation, be an example to the believers in verse 12. In word? That's how it... When being an example, it's in word, but there's no period. In word, in conduct, which is behavior and conversation. In love, also means love feast. In spirit, in faith, in purity, which is cleanliness. And remember, only the clean can clean. You see? It's beautiful. This is part and parcel of the holy formula. Full package. Not zero package, not package one, not package two, not package three. We're talking package four. The full package. You see? It's so powerful. Now, don't be discouraged if you don't have this. Like, you know, you, you don't have the, you know, in, in the, 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 when, when Paul lists this and if, if you're not a pastor, don't be discouraged in reading it. And it's just the opposite. Be encouraged in reading it because, you know, sometimes Christians are like, oh man, you know, I don't, I don't know the Bible like this guy and I don't know the Bible like this lady and oh, I think get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. You can be hardcore and you can be believe in the lord hardcore and trust in the lord hardcore as a baby know nothing about the bible but you love the lord and you trust in the lord and you believe in the lord hardcore not wishy-washy hardcore and as a baby you know you're on milk you know spiritual milk you know and milk is beautiful for babies and then two months later you're like a spiritual toddler and then eight months later, you're like a spiritual tween. And then like six months later, you're, you're like a spiritual teen. And then a year later, you're moving on to perfection. And the whole time, you've been hardcore the whole time. You believe the Lord hardcore. You trust the Lord hardcore. You, you love the Lord. You fear the Lord. Everything hardcore. The whole time from day one, you've been hardcore. You see? And you might be discouraged now, like, oh, I don't know the word like I should. I don't know the Bible like this guy. I don't know the Bible like this lady. But in the course of time, as you grow and mature and move on to perfection, you're going to realize, like, oh, my goodness, wow. You know, like, I do know the Bible now. I do know the Bible here. It says this. I do know formula. I do understand the covenants. I do understand the rules of engagement. I understand how the Lord is using Paul and Timothy and and 
uh, uh, Eunice and Lois and Chloe and how the Lord used Joshua and Moses and how leadership matters. Wow, I do understand this and how Leviticus and the law points to Christ and all these things of Torah are written. And yes, that was for, you know, for, for under, under those rules of engagement, under that covenant, and it points to Christ. And I do understand that, you know. You know, we, we can, you know, be, unless, unless we enter the gate and abide in Christ and the danger of exiting the gate, all these things. And just a year, you were a baby. A year ago, you were just a baby. Two years ago, you were just a baby. And now two years have passed, a year has passed, three years have passed for you, and you're moving on to perfection. And the whole entire time, you've been hardcore. You see? Don't be discouraged. It's just the opposite. Be encouraged. Most Christians never understand these concepts because the formula in the pastor is not right. They don't even have package four. They don't have package three, package two, package one. They have package zero. Oh, he's such a great expositor of the Bible. So what if he says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. That's no big deal. That's a huge deal. You see? Because when it's the full package, you won't have deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Because the full package, they protect against that. In obedience to their master, Jesus, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name. And so Paul says in verse 13, till I come, you know, this is sad and it's beautiful. Because there's no next meeting with Paul and Timothy. They have hope. They remain hopeful. And Paul says in verse 13, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Remember, only the clean can clean. But the clean must stay clean. You see? People say it all the time. Oh, man takes no part of sanctification. It's all a work of the Lord. And it's usually said by the idiotes. Man takes no part in sanctification. And I like to give the example of the shower. You're not the water. You're not the soap. You're not the shampoo. But you still have to get in. You see? You still have to get in. So many times people say, Oh, you, we have no part in sanctification. I believe in the finished work of the cross. Don't forget the Lord's not done. He is the author and finisher of our faith. The author and completer of our faith. And just like with the shower, you're not the water. You're not the soap. You're not the shampoo. But you still have to get in. You see? It's beautiful. I mean, what... Once you understand formula, once we as believers, we're in the same boat, and we understand formula, look at all the things that are effectuated through truth. And you and me together in submission to Jesus Christ, yielding to His Word, being helped by His Spirit. Entry into the love feast. And where there's the love feast, the Spirit of the Lord is just giving out gifts like, 
Like, you know, this person has prophecy, this person has interpretation, this person has healing, this person has understanding, this person has knowledge. And in the body of Christ, look at the power of the Lord. That, my beautiful friend, is ultra, ultra rare. Very, very rare. Because Satan can't have that. He doesn't mind baby Christians because look at Corinth. He can use it as a spectacle. Oh, you don't want to be a Christian because look, look at the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. You don't want to be a Christian. He doesn't mind baby Christians under the tutelage of the defunct. He doesn't mind because he can use it as an example of what not. He can, you know, non-believers are, oh, I, I think I'm going to become a believer. But, you know, I, I look at Christian TV and they're crazy. And, you know, Satan whispers like, yeah, you don't want that. You see? Christian or non-believers can like hear something about Jesus Christ and hear something the gospel and then in their hearts start to measure and, and make these distinctions and make the you know start to think at a very basic level and Satan wants to take that seed out of their heart just like we see in Luke 8 and then all of a sudden say yeah I, I don't want to be a Christian because it'll I, I see the hypocrisy over here Oh, I don't want to be a Christian because this pastor, he does sex with the teenage girls in the youth group. So I don't want to be a Christian. You know, the, the other pastor went to prison for it. The youth pastor went to prison for it. And this pastor, he's still a pastor. He, he should have been fired. But, you know, he's I'm not going to be a Christian. Now, look, a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of sex heads. I'm not going to go to that church. What if you have like a, a teenage daughter and the other, the other teenage girls were like molested? You know, I'm not going to go to church there. It's dangerous for my daughter. It's kind of common sense. All these things that Satan uses, the defunct and the babies, the milk drinkers, as a spectacle to prevent people from coming to Christ. You see, he doesn't mind the baby Christians because he can use it to his advantage to prevent people from coming to Christ. When the formula is right, where you find love feasts, which is ultra, ultra, ultra rare. I'm talking about real love feast. I'm not, when I'm talking about love feast, you know, the gifts of the spirit, the moving of the spirit. I'm not talking about what you see on TV, Tricking Believers Nightly, TBN. I'm not talking about that, where people make a mockery of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the gifts of the real Holy Spirit. Straight up prophecy. You see? The gift of prophecy, the gift of interpretation, the gift of tongues. Not like what you see in Pentecostal charismatic movements. I'm talking about real tongues where there's interpretation. You know, thus saith the Lord and it's said in a language and nobody knows what is being said. And then all of a sudden somebody stands up and says, thus saith the Lord. So that every everybody understands. Everything in order. Not a hundred people in the church and a hundred people speaking in tongues. No, there's maximum amounts that the Bible indicates. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand more. Always with interpretation. That's what I mean when I say love feast. We're talking about real deal like these are straight up warriors. Love feast. Where it is safe. Where, you know, 15-year-old girl can bear the burdens of 30-year-old lady. Where it is safe for them to do so. 
15-year-old boy can bear the burdens of 30-year-old guy. It is safe for them because it's love feast. Satan knows that is a threat. And he'll fight tooth and nail to prevent that from ever happening. You see? Only the clean can clean. And Paul, in saying this, you know, little Timmy, big Timmy now, he's not exempt from these rules. He himself has to stay clean. You see? And so we see in verse 13, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you. You see? Or it translates as, do not be careless with the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Now, was it the elders who prophesied? Maybe, maybe not. I happen to think not. That... Prophecy was made over Timothy at a young age, but by who? Was it the elders? Could have been the elders, but that's not what the text says. You see? The prophecy was accompanied with the laying on of hands of the elders. You see? It could have been another brother in the church who prophesied over Timothy. It could have been a sister in the church who prophesied over Timothy. That the Lord is calling him into pastoral ministry or overseer ministry. The Lord is calling him in this capacity. And then the elders, you know, laid hands on little Timmy. Remember, this is Paul to Timothy. And Paul is saying, don't neglect or be careless with this gift. You see, by prophecy, you know that it's of the Spirit. Understand that. The gift of prophecy, it's one of the spiritual gifts. And of the Spirit, we know that it's of the Lord. And Timothy, at a young age, didn't neglect this gift under the care and overseeing of parents. You see? Eunice and Lois, Mama and Grandma. Under the care of the parental care. And as he aged, he didn't neglect the gift. As a young pastor didn't neglect the gift. And what do we see today? Today we see people who say, oh, the the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. We're 2,000 years deep, give or take a couple years. And today people make excuse. They say it to explain their powerless lives while neglecting the power and ability of God's Holy Spirit. You see? I mean, in verse 14, when Paul says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, this prophecy that he would be an overseer, that prophecy alone is the ability to prophecy. That's a gift of the Spirit. The laying hands of the eldership, even that is a moving of the Spirit when the Spirit is in the elders. Formula, formula, formula. I mean, the formula in the elders, the formula in the person who prophesied, the formula in the parents, the formula in Timothy. 
the formula in grandma. You see how the formula is right in all avenues. We're, we haven't even talked about pastors. I mean, we kind of mentioned the elders, but who is it that had the gift of prophecy, which is a gift of the spirit? You see? And then you have the parents, you have the grandma, and Paul is saying, don't neglect this gift that is in you, which is all part of the moving of the Holy Spirit and fruit of the Holy Spirit. And today, 2,000 years deep, give or take a couple years, people are doing the very thing that Paul says don't don't do. Neglecting the gift. Neglecting the ability and power of the spirits to do such things. And oftentimes, while calling God sovereign. You see? Without living as though he is sovereign. You see? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Now, we haven't, we, we kind of talked about overseers and studied overseers and bishops and, and, and deacons, but when we get into elders, when in verse 14, by the laying hands of the eldership, that's the elders, it's the, uh, 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 uh which is elders, but you know, it's a celestial council, and we're going to cover this when we get into the book of Titus. Elders are, very necessary and very important, but in every, in any and every church, the office of eldership must follow the formula as outlined in Holy Scripture. You see, in closing in verse 15, remember Paul to Timothy. Paul says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress or that your advancement and furtherance may be evident or manifest and shining to all. God's not done. We move on to perfection, abiding in Christ who is the author and finisher of our faith. When God is done, you'll be dead in paradise with the Lord. But until then, he's not done. Remember, Paul didn't count himself as achieved. He even says, I don't count myself as achieved already, but I press forward. And to Timothy, he says the exact same thing. Advance. That your progress may be evident, that your advancement and furtherance may be evident or manifest and shining to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine Continue in them or abide in them. You see, sound doctrine isn't only for Timothy to teach, but it's for him to abide in as well. You see? And Paul is saying, continue in them or abide in them, sound doctrine. For in doing this, abiding in sound doctrine, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You see? 
for saints to listen and submit themselves to Timothy, where the formula is beautiful and lovely, it is safe. You see? Paul is saying to Timothy to stay new wineskin. Timothy has received new wine from another wineskin, which is Paul. And now, it's his turn. Timothy as new wineskin. Now it's his turn to pour, to feed, and to teach the next generation of leadership. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.